Every board game we've played, Morgan, you you've gotten the hang of it. Yeah, I'm, I have fun. I'm just he's, saying. You're saying he's used I'm just to saying, ad-libbing the fucking rules. Yeah, I'm just saying. Late, later on, I'll be oh. like, I'll be thinking, I want to play this game with my wife, and I'll I'll find some instructions. I'll start looking at it. I'm like, that's not how he played. <laughs> there is a Sasha version of how we did. You did that to us with the fucking dice game, the this, pirate dice. That's game. Actually, <laughs> which is like the simplest game to get down <laughs> with your rules. Yeah, it's not that he makes rules up; it's that he skims over the fucking rules every fucking time. There and tries we go. To go off we memory the and Sasha, so much. The Sasha abridged version. He's like, I don't More remember that rule, so it probably doesn't matter. Fuck it. We're but the beauty, right? The beauty <laughs> of it. Fun. You still enjoy the game, yeah. exactly. Because well, it impacts the game. Okay, yeah, I'm going to skip over too. some rules it's here like, or else we like, won't oh. talk about anything relevant or important. Oh, okay. Golly. Welcome back, Miguel. Oh, thank you. Welcome back to Meandering Episode 42. Huh. 42 is a special number. Got a little to. Jackie Robinson going on That's here exactly 42. what I thought when I heard 42. Yeah, but that brings up. Memories of Chadwick Boseman too. Ah, that's right. He was that was a standout role. He didn't even get nominated for that. Now that I think of it, so we've got the return of McGill as our third voice, constant third voice of meandering. We've also got the second time that uh, my brother James has joined us here on the show. You were on not too long ago, about a month and a half ago, right? Yeah. Oh, well, welcome, welcome back. Uh, We have a no phone rule. I'm just looking up what M42 might be. Oh, I'm sure it's hey. a gun or some we, sort. We gave up because it's definitely it, a planet or a galaxy. It's a galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Messier. Well, that's cool. I don't know. There's also a bus route, but we won't talk about that one. <laughs> this is going to be a pretty straightforward opening because it has to be, right? We just came off the heels of the first presidential debate. And uh, if you didn't know out there, if you're living under a rock, there is an election coming up November 2nd. 2020. Right? Just throw that in there. It's the 2020 election. It. Yeah, let's timestamp it for the aliens and for shout-outs to our alien listener community. And anyone traveling through time. or back Anyone time. traveling through time. Yeah. Glad you're listening to Meandering. AI that has uh, become sentient and able to tune into radio frequencies from then, now, and forever. Shout outs to them. There are actually they they're like a seventeen percentile big slice of our pie. Yeah, according to the Plainly. Spotify stats. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's our listener community, Miguel. Um, <laughs> in a nutshell, they don't exist yet, <laughs> <laughs> but they're out there. So here we are with on the heels of a very interesting evening on television broadcast to the American people that feel myself getting angry about as I discuss it. I knew this was going to happen. Uh, Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong. You watched bits and pieces, right? I, I watched the first little bit and then, you know, I caught the highlight reel later. I just, I couldn't stick with it. And James, infuriating. You, you being a, uh, what's the generation again? Close Zoomer. to Zoomer. A, a Zoomer. You didn't give a shit. You were off. Uh, Close to Zoomer. Ah, uh, well, I didn't even know it was on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somehow, some way. The apathetic you didn't know voice. Yeah. It was on. That's awesome. I don't way. have cable, also. So oh, that's no. right. You, you did just social move. media, right? Uh, I never. No. Get, I never get on it. Or actually, when I get on it, I never look at anyone else's stuff, anyway. So. So why do you get on it? To I don't know. <laughs> right. 
They've got See you, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Like and there's a documentary stuff. about that on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, called The Social Dilemma. Yeah. yeah. You're be an the upcoming, dilemma. That's going to be an upcoming episode. We're going to have to. Yeah, for sure. Dedicated that episode to yeah, that. Absolutely. According to Maggie, I didn't watch it. Maggie watched it today at work and other doing other shit. But she said <laughs> that it touched base on things it was on that our we lunch talk break. about all the clarify. time. Clarify. It, no, it was on our lunch break. Yeah, it wasn't our lunch break. She gets a freaking hour. Yeah. It's unfair. But yeah, she says that that movie touches base on the same things we have for months. Yeah. When it comes to the problems of social media. Yeah, I would, remember one of our have, first hangout nights. Yeah. We discussed this stuff. Yeah. Social Crazy. media right now is it's very interesting to observe uh, the spin <laughs> after last night's uh, shitstorm. So it was an hour and a half long presidential debate. Yeah. It was ugly from the start. Within seconds. It wasn't a debate. Within seconds, the guy. No, the guy. Argument. I'm going to reference him as the guy. President he, Trump. Is, I was about to say, is he going to become he who shall now be named? Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. The guy just spirals out of control from the jump and immediately within a minute or two starts ranting and just attacking his opponent. And they haven't even discussed the opening segment, the opening topic. It's like <laughs> he's got months of pent up aggression towards sleepy Joe Biden and he's just lashing out within the first minute and a half and i'm like okay this is gonna be fun to watch and watch him spiral which he did oh uh, he had some good one-liners though that i couldn't help but crack up about several times throughout <laughs> he was reminding joe biden of what college he graduated from and yeah. then he graduated from the bottom of his class but you see these are things that uh i'm glad you opened <laughs> oh, this ah oh, good <laughs> these are things that's so petty yeah that's what he, know, he has it it's all he's funny. got left it was so funny though. but do you want your president to be a troll because if you do you're gonna get an, uh, four more years of a troll president i think uh most politicians are kind of leaning towards that way and have been for a long time trolling yeah in, in a lot of senses and in, in that they're just going to be against something because someone's for it not necessarily because they've looked at it, researched it, thought about it. They're just against it just because. It's in well, their nature. That's tribalism <clears throat> in politics. I mean. And it's kind of trolling too, though, right? Uh, I mean, the trolls are the contrarians generally. They're the ones. Yeah. Of course, when you troll, you're usually throwing it out and letting other people take the bait. But when you troll, you, I think you're also aware that your your words and your actions have little to no significance. And you're just doing it to be a thorn in well, the person's side. Yeah, who, you're just trying to get a rise. But politicians someone. definitely have sway. They definitely have impact. It's clearly evident with Donald Trump that he has an impact on the lower intelligence class of this country that that can't um that cannot formulate an opinion on their own and need that leader that he, we've talked he's tapped into the social he's tapped network. Into the sheep. <laughs> yes. But uh a troll with power is a little scary, right? Yeah. yeah Come on. What the way I, because people were just DMing me right after it was over, asking me, you know, what'd you think? What'd you think? So I just got on Facebook, which I never do, mm -hmm. just to answer everybody at once. And what I said was, what happened last night was analogous to a guy being forced into either a board game or a card game that he knew he's not smart enough to play. So his solution is to turn over the table and, for good measure, set the room on fire. Yeah, that's basically what we saw last night. He he knew he he can't have a real debate with Joe Biden. So if he can just flame the entire fucking thing, 
turned it into a comedy roast. Well, and I'm not certain that Biden can ro- can debate either. I'm not saying he's he not, can either. He's but... pretty crappy at it. Yeah, this is why. But, I but what happened was, uh, you know, he got drug into Trump's. It's you know, in a in a sports scenario, uh, you'll hear a team say that we want to play our game, you know, and so you play a certain way. Maybe you play an up tempo, fast speed, and your opponent then just doesn't, you know, they match what you're doing. And I think that's what happened in the debate. I think. Trump went a certain way and Biden tried to match it instead of just sticking to his guns and playing a game. And But it's a little hard to go any other way than the way the narcissist, egomaniac, loudmouth goes. I don't know. You can't steer that person's narrative well, it's, away. It's not necessarily from... trying to steer it. It's just trying to not be responsive and fall in line with it. What would you – so I, I didn't have a problem with the way Joe Biden – composed himself yesterday i thought his i, thought uh, I looked, paid attention I to his body language in a lot of ways he looked bad how so lack of being able to respond to what to trump but, but responding to a troll is like you're you're taught online after 20 years like you ignore the troll because responding to them is we've talked about it on the show responding to them is what they want they yeah, want you to engage he, in he that. fell into that though Trying to respond, he started to try know, to play but, Trump's game. But did he do that on like this is because he couldn't, or did he intend to not reply, knowing that he's just letting that guy be beneath him the whole uh, time, right? just I don't letting think him rant on? I don't think he's witty enough. No, Biden. Yeah, but then you're giving Trump the the edge on wittiness, and I didn't hear wittiness from Trump yesterday. I heard ignorance. I thought he was a little witty, but what you see is a guy who had a TV show for several years. That I agree with. Yeah, a reality star tapping yeah. into low common denominator intelligence, like you've put it. You you could see Biden, though. This isn't necessarily a criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see Biden coming a mile away the way he was coached. Don't, yes. Don't engage in Trump. Talk to the audience. Talk to the TV. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people at home who are suffering. Keep alluding to how people are hurting. Traditional Democrat sort of uh, prerogatives Hillary in debate. didn't know how to do that. She mm. thought she could outwit Trump, and she it was like Lisa Simpson trying to go up against the bully. She doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, uh, and that's the problem with Hillary not being able to handle her shit. You're not going to see Hillary, who's expected to be dainty, say, will you shut up, man? People were saying we wish you would have fucking said or that. Or call the president a clown, which I loved. Yeah. I love the fact that he's – I mean I've been on Twitter putting the little clown emoji around his <laughs> tweets for the last six or seven months. So I love the fact that he addressed him as a clown because Donald Trump for all intents and purposes is a circus clown. He has been for he's quite got some the hair. time. Yeah. yeah, and he's been a clown well before his presidency. And unfortunately it's rubbed off into his presidency. So now the figurehead of this country is perceived as a clown by a large constituency of people within this country and overseas and everywhere. The The whole time I'm thinking of like, what, what does my Canadian family think of, of the U S right now? What, what do the people overseas think of the U S right now? What do the Russians think of the U S right now? We're looking at two 65 year old guys, 75, 70, oh, 70s, 70, sorry. Yeah. yeah one of them 74, one of them 76. Sorry. <laughs> It devolved consistently into an attack, sort of uh, like an online attack. Like somebody makes a point and you just troll them with uh, insults and then it's returned the other way around. Um, I, I won't say that I saw a lot of points being made from Trump's end, but maybe that's my bias speaking. But at the same time, I'm 
I, if I'm if waiting were, for him to make were, points. If you were pro-Trump, you came away thinking it was great. If you were pro-Biden, you came away thinking it was great. The people down the middle yeah. are looking around going, where's the third candidate I can Fuck vote for? Yeah. yeah. Can't disagree with that. Online, everyone's making these Bernie memes of like, you know, I've seen that Wolverine meme where he's like holding on to a picture, like missing somebody, like caressing the picture. No. That shit. No, I might that? use it for the cover art of this episode. You totally then. should. But it's like, it's a meme of like Wolverine holding up a picture where he's like missing somebody where he's putting fucking Bernie Sanders picture in there. Oh. <laughs> That's who they're missing. What'd you guys think of Chris Wallace though? I, I thought some, well, first let me ask what you guys thought of it before I say anything. Did, well, did you watch enough yeah, to enough get of it? it. I felt sorry for him, honestly. Uh, I don't know that, I, I don't know that he could have done anything all that differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a bad situation from the get go for him. The what, only thing that that frustrates me is that I, I do believe this was all predictable, and I think we've known for months that the first presidential debate of this year, especially with everything going on, was gonna go. You could you could sketch this out a week or two in advance. We should have we should have said here's how it's gonna go, and we should have said Trump's gonna talk with his head cut off for the majority of the the thing and Joe Biden's not going to say anything new. He's going to be by the book, Joe Biden, and he might throw an insult here or there. It was all very predictable. Chris Wallace, I've seen enough of his recent interviews with Trump to know that he wasn't going to let Trump run the show. Like Trump wants to run every single public facing opportunity that he has. Like yeah. his, like he gets the opportunity to at rallies, of course, because People are coming to hear him talk. Um, He gets to do it on Fox News interviews with everyone else other than Chris Wallace. He doesn't he doesn't get to really have his way when he goes out to like ABC News or NBC News or anything like that. They kind of hold him to the fire for the most part. But recently, Chris Wallace had a sit down with him and it was the first time I actually saw a reporter um, and or journalist, whatever his title is hold him to the flame for shit that just was inaccurate and things that were not in line with his plan. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at the Chris Wallace, Donald Trump interviews over the last two months, but I I knew to expect a level of fairness from him because he's fed up with the shit too, I think. I think a lot of people are just fed up with the image that that the President of the United States has and is giving or or is including us in. I, I don't think that if you're an American who's proud of this country, you're very happy with the representation that you have in the Oval Office or the government right now. They asked, uh, I wrote this down, the Chris Wallace, what he thought of uh, the debate last night. He didn't want to talk too much about it. The only thing he said was it was a terrible missed opportunity for the American people. That's all he wanted to say. Um, I, some of the criticism that he's facing online I think is unfair. I think that he did as best he could with what he was given. Um, yeah, I, somebody had tweeted it was a it was a reminder of why kindergarten teachers should make more money. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 unfair to Chris Wallace. I think that he did do as best as he could given what he was given in that shit show. It's funny. You guys mentioned. I'm wondering what my Canadian relatives think. That's what I wanted to ask you guys. Have you guys talked? To any of your relatives, do you have any relatives back in Canada who have actually watched that? Or have they said anything lately, period? My grandma's more concerned with COVID. <laughs> yeah, she's asking, how are y'all doing? Yeah, my grandma thinks COVID is like a, a real threat um, to our immediate sort of health. And, I mean, 
she's, who's to argue right. with her? Yeah. She's not wrong, but um, she's known for a long time that the president of the United States is not really mentally all there, nor is he um, a good representation of what this country stands for. So again, it's it's almost dismaying because yesterday did nothing but add to the predictability of like where this goes. <laughs> I want to join you in your criticism, but I, I'm wrong too. I did not expect it to be that bad. What I, did you expect? I expected him to do what he did with the Republican debates, which is talk out of his ass. I didn't expect him well, to he be... He did that, so check. Check. Okay. I didn't expect him to do it over the fucking moderator as much as he did, or over even Joe Biden. I expected him to have, have you as seen crazy it? as it sounds, me of all people, uh-huh. my hatred for Trump, a little more tact for his own fucking sake. I, how much can how much nah. does conditioning play into this then? For the last eight months, he's sat in front of the media every day or most days and talked about coronavirus, and he's overspoken a majority of the time. Like he's cut folks off left and right, and he's he's got a narrative to push because he's got he's got to save his image and he's got to save his mishandling of this on many fronts. And so maybe he just doesn't have the option to not cut people off because there were moments in the debate. What I mean is there were moments in the debate yesterday where Joe Biden sounded very presidential. He did. There were brief moments where he was focused and he was honed into something that uh, garnered my attention. I was like, okay, this sounds pretty good. And Trump was not saying anything. And then he was almost... He was almost tuned in like he was listening to the next president and he was paying attention to him and he was doing his little head, his little head tilts, his little head cocks, because that's all he had left. But his brain was actively listening to what was being said and he had no, no rebuttals for it. That's what you need to do with Trump. That's what you need to do with a troll. You need to hit them where they have no rebuttals. Now, a troll will say, I've got rebuttals forever. I don't know. Maybe we should ask the resident troll at the table. Do you think there are ways to stop your trolling? What do you mean? Like, I do it naturally. I've been doing it naturally my whole entire life. I got you. But there are instances where you know that a troll is not appropriate, right? Yeah, I mean, if that negates the point of trolling, you know, I I don't know. It's sometimes it's those moments that it's hardest to hold back. Like when my wife is blowing up and screaming and yelling, I can't tell you how hard it is to not make a joke. I know that will push it that much further and potentially cause me physical harm. But it's so hard to hold back. In my younger years, I didn't hold back and I paid the price. In my older years, I. Try to get some space just in case I can't <laughs> hold it back. James, she can't you, catch me. If you didn't know, I can co-sign. This is uh, this is your life for the next ten, or maybe not yet, but in about five to ten years. Oh yeah, we'll we'll revisit this conversation, and you'll be you'll be chiming in with your own my wife segment. Even uh, oh, yeah, you, you know, even in the middle of I don't know funerals. Uh, oh yeah. Sometimes you feel like you need to say something that yeah. you know is gonna. Uh, you know, like, lighten the mood? No. Because mm. I'm on board with lightening the mood, but I'm not on board with like making fun of the situation. Because it would be the equivalent of like, it, it's not ignorant, but yeah, it is. It's like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like here's a bunch of grieving people mourning over the losses over they love, and then a troll comes along and wants to talk about the screw in somebody's ear. A literal freaking screw, bro. Anyway, I can appreciate the humor. <laughs> I guess what I was suggesting is that 
when Trump doesn't have an in, he shut down pretty quickly. Well, I, I would suggest to you that this is what rallies the people who support him is the way his his behavior. What doesn't rally the people that support him at this point? Um, if you don't engage him. Let me critique your analysis of what you saw of the debate yesterday because you just said that Joe Biden was matching him, right? Yeah, he was engaging. He was engaging. You wanted Joe Biden to pull back I, from engaging? If it was my strategy, one, I probably wouldn't have the debates because it plays into Trump's hand all the way. Two, I would run my com- campaign on, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I wouldn't even mention the other guy, hardly. I wouldn't go, Trump did this. Trump said that. You're just rallying their, his his people. You want to... You, you don't want to attack him. And if you go a few months without attacking Trump, uh, his little followers get bored and they'll go away and they won't go vote. If you continue to pound on Trump, you're just riling them up and they're they're They probably already mailed in their votes twice, man. You don't think there, there would have been a way to actually respond and sort of, you know, Call him out as bullshit and kick his ass. I think a lot of people would have done that a lot better than Biden did. Biden does not respond to a troll. I think a Bernie Sanders would have wiped, his, kicked his ass. But it would have come off the same way, I think, for Trump supporters. Your route, your they would never think Trump looked bad they in don't, any way, shape, or form. They, they get when from what I've observed over the past four years, Trump. I'll call him Trump tards. That's not nice, but. <laughs> Trumpians. No, okay. I mean, whatever you want to call them, the part of the Trump cult, they get trumpets. The, possibly. Trumpets. They're all trumpets. Colt forty-five is no, what I prefer trolling. to call them. Yeah. Huh? I'm no, trolling. Just trolling. They they get mad. They get fucking livid when someone makes a genuinely good joke about Donald Trump. Yeah. Or and a good it, point. Or a good point where, like, when especially with somebody they've trained themselves well, to they, fucking hate, like an AOC. They'll never think it's a good point. No, but they get – the response online I've been observing like on Facebook, whenever someone puts an actual funny meme or somebody making fun of Trump or something stupid he said, if it's something, if it's something racist he said, like Morgan said, that turns them on. They're going to like that because they're, he's swinging. He's our guy. He doesn't give a shit. That's who I voted for. But if it's something that genuinely is really good at making fun of him, all they can say is fuck you, commie. Fuck you, Trump 2020. It genuinely gets under their skin. I think yeah. a lot of the other candidates – would have been much better than doing that and then a Joe Biden. But we'll never see that. No, we're not. We weren't allowed to. We've got we've got what we've got. Good old boy network. Good old is that the Proud Boy Network? Or no, the good old, good old oh, boy. I was gonna wait for us to ways. touch on that too. Yeah. Those, those the, fucking guys. The uh did you listen long enough to hear the Proud Boy statement? Yeah, I caught the highlights, yeah. <laughs> the highlights. James, you missed a lot. What the hell were you doing last night, man? Sorry you don't have anything to chime in on here, but I did let you know in advance that uh, the opening of this discussion was going to focus on, oh, I don't know, maybe the most important thing going on in the country, as most episodes do. I don't really remember what I did last night. Great. Yeah. I can't remember. Honestly, I don't know. Why? Had I known the debate was on, I probably would have watched... But from what I gathered in the first 30 seconds of our discussion tonight, it was pure entertainment yes. to introduce the first debate of the election season. It was entertainment. And I'm glad you made that point because I'm not past the point where I'm ready to say like that all these people are in this all to fucking gather. And this is all just one clown show that was on a very predictable line of this is how it's going to go and America is going to love it and look at all the commotion and stir we're going to cause on social media and 
the results are probably already in for the election. It's yeah, I'm I'm not past the point where it's it's silly, man. There there were attacks on on Joe Biden's kid for doing cocaine back in the day yesterday from the president of the United States on no, national television. Yeah, he's not in any position to say and that. And nobody way. and nobody's like removing the guy from the stage at that point where when he's a and that's not trolling because that's pointing out someone's flaws or but what happens if you do it to the president what if you say oh what if joe biden just says you said you grab women by the pussy on live tv then what happens well trump's got a million excuses and has been coached his coach yeah yeah he he has keywords he'll use and and he'll just and he kind of won't respond to it other than fake news or something stupid like that and then how do you argue with somebody who's just saying, giving you one word answers? You hit him where he hasn't been hit before? He's been hit everywhere. Mm, I don't he's think been, his marriage has been uh, he's tackled been, yet. Oh, yes, it has. On the public forum? Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't, th- I don't think many Americans I don't think many Americans know how unhappy Melania Trump is I with was, Donald did Trump. Did you see the difference last night, the contrast? Yeah. When, basically, you saw him Jill Biden. When they approached at the end, yeah. Hug her man, you know, give him a kiss. And I think Melania said you did great, or whispered you. Did I didn't see. I didn't like see her touch him. Well, she may not. <laughs> yeah, she may not have anything left in. I, I think he's been a guy that's been in the public spotlight and has been criticized his entire life, and he's built a wall for that stuff. I don't. I don't think he's still, double on it. Yeah. I mean, no I don't, I don't kick him in the balls all you want. He's heard it before. You're not the first one to ever say it. He's, he's responded to it before. It's not the first time he's had to respond to it. He's still overly sensitive, though. I mean, look at the kind shit of, that sort of, but Every report I've ever heard of every whistleblower within this White House indicates that this is a fucking guy who spends 10 hours watching TV. He goes on Twitter rants. You think I go on Twitter rants? I go on like little blurbs, like four or five a, a, every other day. He like 20, this guy goes on Twitter rants. Yeah, he tweeted like twenty something times. And perhaps this morning. social media is to thank for Donald Trump. Oh, we know yeah. that. We know that <laughs> shit like Cambridge Analytica and and the the trolling we found out that the Russian bots were doing. Yeah, had a huge role in getting his ass elected. Absolutely. Um, which is why I don't really. Uh, I don't really have any resentment for the people who just want to um, vacate their obligation to go vote or their sense of duty to this country come November. I mean, I get it. There is well, a if, moral impetus, perhaps, I mean, if, if you if care you, enough. Okay. I, I'm mad at you if you don't. Or I think we're different. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm, I don't. I'm not saying I don't empathize with people who are disgusted. You still clean up the vomit off the fucking floor. Yes. Like you know, it's I. I find myself. More indignant this year with people who are not going to vote than I was in 2016. Interesting. Um, because I think even if the majority of folks who are indifferent to it and just want to be removed from the dramatics of it, if they all pull out, I think there's enough people left who are invigorated by it who should be able to take care of it. That's the mistake we made in 2016, which is how we got where we were. Do you know how many people I've spoken to across the country have told me, man, I thought Hillary had it. I thought, oh God, for God's sakes, it's Trump. I, I didn't think he would win. That's why I didn't vote. That's a lot of people. We can't be that complacent this time. Um, that's so that's we, different. That's, I agree with you there. It's slightly different. I think there's I think there's enough people out there who are just reasonable enough thinkers that we're going to vote anyways that see what's going on and 
they're either Trump supporters or they're not. Like that's I don't think he's gained a lot of following in the last year or two. I don't think I don't think there's on the fence folks or converted Democrats who are like definitely going Trump in 2020 based no, on the no. last year or two. So in that regard, I don't know that we need like the um like my brother for example who didn't watch the debate, knows nothing of the two. I don't think we need a guy like him to show up at the polls and say, oh, okay, let me just press the Biden button for the hell of it, because that's an uninformed vote. I don't know how I feel about uninformed votes yet. I don't know. I don't well, know how I feel. Let's about go that. back a sec, because if I knew the debate was on, why watch it? What's the point of the debates if half already have their mind made up that nothing Biden says is going to sway them to Biden? They're doing that. And then the opposite. The ones that are in between, what's the point? Why watch the debate? Confirmation, so that you hear it from the horse's mouths as to how much of a jackass the president is okay, and how know. much of well, a— I think it was a 100% complete waste of time, See, that's, space, that's, money. That's where I am. But not everybody who's in between is like me. Me, I knew going into the debate season that I wouldn't have to watch anything because I already knew that both choices are— now, they're not going to surprise me with, oh, man, fuck, why haven't I paid attention to this person? You know what I mean? I knew going into that these two candidates were just going to, like, shit on each other on the first time. But it's not mm -hmm. like I was trying to predict it. It's just it was going to waste my time. I was only going to watch it for entertainment. But purposes. you don't remember what you did last night. I, I now I remember. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> well, I, was, I was busy in setting up my new headset, which I forgot to bring. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was what I did. The word but, of the week is multitasking. But no, seriously, though, why why watch the debate? If you're a viewer of our show and don't know who you're going to vote for or if you're going to vote, why would you have watched the debate? Why, All right, that's a good question. Why would, in Miguel's mind, I mean, you're, in, you're kind of incensed the people that aren't going to show up to vote. Why would they watch the debates? People have different reasons for watching it. For a lot of people, I think it's what you said. It's it's a matter of confirmation. Believe it or not, I mean, it, it's it's a nightmare to listen to and it's embarrassing. But I was listening to C-SPAN afterward. And <laughs> have you ever listened to that for like four or five minutes to people that call in on that fucking show? No. You you get a lot of uh, you get insight though, don't you? You get it's terrifying. That's what I like about watching. You know, these more things. people voted in 2016 than in 2008 or 2012. <laughs> I heard that. Um, like 30 million more. Yeah, but you know how many people also put up a protest vote too? Um, wrote in, you know, a my guy did gorilla or did gorilla. Yeah. yeah. There's there like, like 2,000 of us. There are a lot of fucking trolls. And I'm going to be right. I haven't decided who I'm writing in yet. I'm, I might vote Kanye if he's on my ballot. Pe people watched the debate for different reasons. Much of them was confirmation. But there was a lot of people when I listened to C-SPAN last night that did it because they said they were on the fence. Maybe they called in and they were full of shit when they said that. But I don't they think are. we can underestimate the number of people in a country of 340 million who are on the fence. As fucking crazy as that sounds right now, there are people who are on the fence. There's, there's people who, after watching last night, that sounds insane. Absolutely insane. But there's millions of people who literally are on the fence. Well, there's a spectrum of on the fence, too. There's the yeah. on the fence where they're slowly being converted away from what they've always been because of how shit it's been in the past decade. Or, and then there's the other side of the spectrum, which is just uneducated on the fence. They have no idea what pros and cons to pick out from each of these guys. Why they should point. watch a debate. 
Yeah, well, well, then what would they have gained time. actually in last night's debate? They well, would've... they would have seen an egomaniac versus a guy who's trying to get a word in uh, on the surface I, level. There's no way so, Biden looked good here. enough to convince anyone of anything. Okay, last night. well, if I had watched, here's what I would have been looking for. I would have been looking for Biden to not focus on uh, kind of the things that Hillary did and attacking Trump and the things that he's not done. Check. I would have I would have looked for composure, perhaps some poise, Check. and um, no, there wasn't a lot of that. This is bias. This is my bias. Biden, there, was not, bias. there was perhaps, not a lot of that. Like selective when, biting. When you the play top. the top ten moments of the debate, not, none of those will be Biden in a poised position. Well, that's You'll the problem. You're playing the top ten moments of the debate, when, but that's what's going to be what convinces most people. When, in a in anything that you watch for two hours, only one or two or three things are going to stick out to you. Not all the things in between. The most superficial criticism I'll have about Biden is that he did stammer somewhat, like he always does, especially now that he's older. He's mm-hmm. not do it that bad. So he stuttered and he stammered. Okay. You don't think, Morgan, there was a couple moments here and there where he actually well, – he's doing what he was supposed to fucking do. Like he said, he, he sounded poised. He looked directly at the camera like he was coached to do. And he made – He ignored well, Trump. He ignored Trump and he yeah. made his points like we needed him to. It's the maturity level. It's not necessarily how well of a public speaker Biden is versus Trump. It's more of how composed is he in the in the sense of like is he focused on the right things? Is his priority set straight to not attack the Trump shit that he's saying but to get his stuff across? Well, and, okay. And not, the nature right, of so the debate. You know? Okay. Well, right. I know well, – Let's uh, – maybe let's try another yeah. analogy here. So sometimes – my wife. Uh, <laughs> sometimes debate. Sometimes you say a sentence, right? And the most important point you're trying to make in the entire sentence, you can't even get to it because someone listened to a key a word in the first three lines, and that's all they focus on. Yeah, you mentioned. So the American week. people are very much the same. They probably didn't listen or recognize the poise. They stuck on one little thing they didn't like in the beginning of it, and they don't even hear the rest of it. Well, then there's no way to beat Trump unless you play his game, and you're better at it than him. No, 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 no. The best way is to not engage him and stay away from him, in my opinion. I think all we've done from media to newspaper to politicians to Hollywood movie stars, athletes, all we've done is attack him. How is he weakened throughout the attacks? I, I'm just asking. You know, that's not would have been an opportunity then. Morgan, maybe this is where um, I think you could have handled Trump because this, this – You should have been on that stage. No, I don't want – What I was going to say, let's think of it uh, as analogous to whenever there's a stand-up comic and there's a troll douchebag in the fucking audience. Yeah. What does the stand-up comic do? Yeah. He handles that heckler by fucking humiliating him, hitting more hurts by you know using humor – against him yeah. okay that would have been a great way to handle trump yeah, last night because trump essentially wasn't he a heckler yeah. essentially yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't debating he was heckling the whole time yeah. joe Good biden point. tried and he did a decent job for an hour and, and 45 he did minutes. what my great no my grandfather would have been better than joe biden but he would have he looked like someone's innocent grandfather who didn't know how to handle a heckler except to ignore him and talk to the audience i mean what do you think about a heckler uh, a comedian who can't handle a heckler they're not good comedians they're not good comedians right yeah. So, I mean, as shitty as it sounds, people are probably going to be hearing us say that and be pissed and be like, well, God damn it, we're trying to elect politicians that make our laws, not a fucking comedian. But this is where we are in the U.S. With yeah. a guy like Trump being in office, whether we like him or not, you got to handle him at his own game, like you said. And a Bernie Sanders, um, uh, a Tim, I hate Tim Kaine, but there's there's so many candidates that were on that We haven't stage. figured out time travel yet, Miguel. We can't <laughs> do it. 
So what we have to do is make suggestions for Joe Biden in preparation for his next debate, October 15th, I want to say. Are we really going to have one? Well, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say next. I wrote that down, too. There's a thing called the Commission on Presidential Debates. It's yes. an actual thing. This just happened today in light of what occurred they last night. They released a statement saying uh, they are considering how to change the debate rules, which they've never had to do ever. Mm-hmm. Because of last night's shit show. And one of the things that they were implicitly suggesting is that they will actually cut off the mic. That makes a lot of sense. Like, well, yeah, but that's, that, you don't even do that in, in junior high debates. Because if you do that when you're a kid, you're, it's, you're, you've embarrassed yourself. You've embarrassed your team on the debate team. Like, Boy, I don't know about yeah, that Think today. about like Grammy Awards, Emmy Awards. Eventually, they're just going to keep talking because they're yeah. Yeah. drunk out of their minds. And, you got and they're egomaniacs. Like, the He's music got starts coming on, and then they shut the mic off. All so now, these celebrities so. are egomaniacs, and they don't stop talking when they're accepting their awards. Uh, uh, unless, I've tried to dial it down. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> or an egomaniac. Uh, we got to get – okay. If you can't change the – the process you, you can't change who's media mediating the the like, whole thing put them in two separate rooms <laughs> like you know what i'm that's saying that's not a fucking time. i know oh, think, I'm just think saying. about who's in the chair that's uh running the show right like if you put somebody that's a completely non-professional no person i don't there, i don't want to see this because well, no, no, this goes thinking, down the just, joe rogan path and i don't want to see that just think about the the changes I, like someone I, I tune who's in for joe rogan completely just shuts them up I wouldn't. I wouldn't tune in. We're gonna cut your mic off, James. Okay. <laughs> I do. Hey, need music. For I'm kidding. Spot. I was gonna ask you guys about that. I'm glad you brought that. Don't want to see it. You don't want to see Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan and it. Gavin McInnes go way back, and Gavin McInnes is the co-founder of the Proud Boys. I don't want. Joe Rogan is on. Is the Himmler of this regime, <laughs> and I say that with some intelligence behind it because I can. Uh, maybe this is me going a little too far off the deep end, but maybe no, not. No, maybe. Go ahead. No, there there is a lot of maybe, but I've listened to a lot of Joe Rogan's podcasts over the last year or two, and he's more right than he is left on what's going on in the country, and that's okay. That's fine by me. But he's always defending Trump when people are doing what we suggest people do to Trump, which is attack him where it hurts. Um, he He defends him in the same way that I see the forever Trumpers or whatever they're called defend him. It's like there's always an excuse and maybe it's his uh, journalist mind. He's he's always trying to play down the middle and he's always trying to find uh, some reason on both ends, but it just comes off the wrong way to me. And also he and Elon Musk are chummy chummy, of course, smoke pot together on air. They're both billionaires. I don't know what you got against Elon, but go well, ahead. Elon's uh, in the same. We'll have that debate later. Elon's in the same commander regime as Himmler. I, I can't name you uh, who was fourth or fifth in line, but this is the way that um, this is the way that dominating sort of factions are moving in the 21st century is undisclosed relationships and connections because well, if there are known connections you do realize if biden wins the election he'll have the same thing that yeah because Trump it's all one big exact club. same thing nothing will really Absolutely. change it's all one big club all right exactly Here. but the problem is that the followers of trump if trump's the the commander in chief they follow his psychology and his personality i don't worry about elon musk and joe rogan uh, having to deal with Joe Biden for the next four years, they'll be dulled down and we'll have boring podcasts and uh, SpaceX won't 
won't amount to anything or whatever. Elon Musk will stop um, stop ranting and raving on on in, in public interviews. I think it does because it goes back to the psychology of people is rubbed off on by whoever's in charge of the country. No. It's a top-down effect. It is. I mean, it's irrefutable that followers and follower mentalities have that sort of pathway. They they cling to something and they turn into it. It's um it's an not an amoebic effect, but um So we all it's a ran out effect. and got blowjobs from uh um you know, from strippers or uh, exotic no. interns, we all got intern blowjobs when our president did. We all were like, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's go do it." <laughs> no, but well, we should have. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, if they offer. Miss you, Bill. No. <laughs> Look, well, I, I, will I share uh, to an extent your sort of frustration over Joe Rogan? I, I, I'm not on the same level as comparing him to Hitler's propaganda minister because I think that there are those who we can say that about Kellyanne fucking Conway. But she, Kellyanne she, Conway is not tapped into the 36-year-old male brain. But that's that's where I'm saying that he is not analogous to Himmler uh, because the fact that, to Joe Rogan's credit, whenever he has Emilio Yiannopoulos on, he'll call him out on his shit. He just explained and embarrassed um, what the little shit. What's his name? Ben Shapiro. He explained to Ben Shapiro the problem of systemic racism whenever um she, he was talking about the uh, the kids in cages he's like if you think you know you're you're being a good american by putting kids in cages man fuck you mm-hmm. like to joe rogan's credit he said stuff like that so he's called out you know members of what i consider the regressive right you know when it's important to do so he's got it wrong too a propagandist for um, Donald Trump would not say, man, I got it wrong when it comes to blaming the left on setting those fires. I fucked up. So to his credit, he can admit where he fucked up too. I think a true propagandist for Donald Trump would not do that sort of thing. It would be day in, day out. You're thinking of Alex Jones. Alex Jones is made fun of, but you cannot underestimate how many 20 and 30-year-olds listen to him right now. But he's As tapped a, in his – I guess I'm looking at the viewership and the audience that both of those guys have. Elon Musk has the science and technology-minded individuals by the balls. They look at him as a – or they used to look at him as like a savior or the Tesla of this generation, yeah. no pun intended, or the Edison of this generation. The guy hasn't really done a whole hell of a lot on paper, and he was born into it on paper. And then you've got Joe Rogan, who is like a, a revelation in what communication or radio, uh, because he's had a podcast with a thousand plus episodes, and he's well connected, and he's been in Hollywood for twenty years, and he's an MMA announcer guy, so he's well positioned to be where he's at as well. It's not saying taking any talent away from him or any of the fairness that he may display while discussing, but here's a guy who's had Alex Jones on several times, and he's had. Gavin McInnes on several times, and he's had Ben Shapiro on several times. While we see the other end of the stick, these are legitimately people that he confides in and he is friends with off of the mic. Like yeah. he he is on record for saying Gavin McInnes is not such a bad guy. And from what I hear of Gavin, from what I've heard of Gavin McInnes and what I've seen of him, it's mostly good. I play that soundbite for you all day. It's on record, and so I can't. Unless he's willing to go back on all of that and say, okay, Gavin McInnes is a douchebag. The Proud Boys are a waste of time. Uh, but I don't think he can because 
the crowds that go watch MMA fights on a bi-weekly basis, they're a stone's throw away from being converted into Proud Boys. They are they are many of them probably are. They are a stone's throw away. Anybody who is in tune with the psychology of watching two men beat on each other to death beyond the level of entertainment that you see, like in the gladiator days, of course it's great to see rah rah. But to do it on a routine basis, to invest your time in it. It doesn't leave. If you if you do that every two weeks, you leave that zone and you don't mind seeing it in the streets either. You don't mind people yeah. killing each other in the streets. It's just psychologically it's there. Gavin McInnes is on record for saying that. This is the Proud Boy co-founder. Or at least he takes claim for it. Is he the one that stuck a bottle up his ass to own the libs? I don't know. Is that him? I don't, I don't know that. He's the guy who's on record for saying like he wants to see blood in the streets and that um, Trump supporters should start violently uh rejecting folks that are not on board with the way this country is going i've been and i engaged him on twitter a decade ago the guy's a flake he's fucking mental um but i mean again it's it's hard to sort of characterize joe rogan being a certain way because one of his highest rated episodes of all time is bernie sanders uh and he listened to and spoke to bernie sanders like he was talking to fucking yoda well he's got to play both sides right yeah and I what mean, a person of, because a person of his stature, of of his prominence, if he plays one side only, then everything I'm saying is like irrefutable. But if he plays both sides, then everything I'm saying is just skepticism, and one we have might, to wait and find out. One might argue that he would make more money if he chose a side and stuck to the side. I don't know. You know, I mean, he I, just got a hundred million dollars. Conservative radio right. hosts make a ton of money. They a used, ton. They of used money. to own radio. Yeah. Conservatives owned AM and FM radio for the longest time when it comes to talking. But I don't know, Morgan. Podcast is different. You think if that's true, he would have. Do you think he would have gotten a hundred million dollar deal if he wouldn't have had people like well, Bernie Sanders sides. on both well, sides? I, I don't think getting a hundred million dollar deal was the goal. I don't think that was the goal for him at all. He was just doing a podcast to do a podcast. It turned into something. But doesn't that indicate his success is like Sasha saying playing both sides has commercially worked for but him. But you're saying that he's intentionally playing both sides, yeah. that he has an agenda. Why can't you just engage people just to engage people and not engage them with a plan that I have to talk to this one because they're this side and I have to talk to this one because they're this side? I mean, that's not you, really how people approach each other. Oh, you can. But I'm saying that Joe Rogan does has had a legitimate position in this the entire time. Why is that so impossible to believe? That he's friends with Alex Jones, Gavin McInnes, Ben Shapiro, off mic, friends with Eddie Bravo, who's a flat earther, off mic. <laughs> and on mic, he tempers it down a little bit. But off mic, he's with his buddies, talking it up and saying things that he probably wouldn't say on mic. But we've given making, him a large you're platform. taking a big... Well, we haven't given him anything. Spotify well, not gave we, it to him. Yeah, not we, but the American people, the listenership. What I'm saying is we... Because he's entertaining. Mm, so many ears listen to that podcast, and this started with like him moderating the debate, or the potential of him moderating the debate. That was... I think he understands that that was a joke. That... That would never happen. Um, In 2020 America, it could happen next week. They could make it official. Imagine Joe Rogan's knucklehead ass in front behind a microphone 
with but, a fucking UFC long sleeve shirt. He plays both sides. I'm not saying he's. I don't think Joe Rogan's an idiot. I think that compared to a lot of guys his age that do hang around that sort of knuckleheaded crowd, I, I think he's more intelligent than some people want to admit. Having said that, no, I don't want him moderating a fucking debate. <laughs> like I can imagine his ass sitting behind the table with a UFC fucking long sleeve shirt and a fucking you know <laughs> a beer in his hand. It's like, yeah, we're idiocracy. Mike Judge's movie has come. It's it's official. You thought it's it was a documentary. It's, it's not a movie. For, it's a documentary. I rewatched that last week. Maggie's never seen it, my girl. I don't know how anyone has never seen it. We're going to make her watch it. And she's like, what the fuck are you watching? And I'm like, that's Terry Crews' president. Look, he's a complete crazy jackass. Yeah, and Gatorade waters the plants in the future. <laughs> it could. I mean, that makes sense. She's Brando, like, sir. she was taken aback by it. Maggie was like, so the premise of this movie is the future where everyone's a fucking idiot and the president is a reality TV star. I'm like, yeah. And a porno guy and a wrestler. <laughs> Porn star and wrestler. Porn star, professional wrestler. This is a blip. That's what I'm going to say to myself. I'm going to say, as much as I bitch about this being an idiotic country, I'm going to say and tell myself right now, this four years was a blip. That's all it was. And that I think that. Well, you better ch- get ready for four more. <laughs> But I'm hoping that that's what, what happens is that people are shaken out of complacency of this generation. The millennials and Zoomers enough, are like, right? are like we, the rest of them are dying. No offense to some old people that I spoke to this that's week. And I'm like, that you guys don't know any better, so I'm not going to hate you even though you're too stupid to understand Donald Trump's a racist. Or at least he taps into racism when it's convenient. But if they can still make it to a poll, unfortunately, they still have an impact on the outcome of the future for everyone who has tons more life to give. And tons more life to live. It sounds callous, but I'm not saying we call these people. I'm saying I'm looking forward to the fact that you can call them in a figurative way Wasn't of that talking happening about now it. with COVID nineteen. Yes, that's a literal <laughs> way. My my uh, figurative way of calling them is putting an age limit on voting. <laughs> I have I spoke to an old lady who said that you do it on one end. You don't. She's you don't let a thirteen year old who doesn't know shit about shit, walk into the voting booth and press a button, you shouldn't let a 79-year-old. You can't let a 79-year-old run. What do you mean? I agree, too. Yeah, you shouldn't let a 79-year-old run either or drive. I I think that we should have age limits for voting, and I think we should have age limits for running. Oh, run. I don't get why it's – why is it 35? Why is that the minimum age? Well, because when you're young, you're very emotional and make – Rash All right, we learned right? that last time. <laughs> we learned that every week on Meandering. Typically, as you get older, you, you know you're you think about things a little more. You have more experience. You're not as sure. rash, especially in I a nuclear age. We should I lower think. it to at yeah. least thirty. I think because there's so many people who are in their early thirties who I think are very rational individuals who I would choose to run my life. And there's people who are in their sixties. I don't want you running a fucking bakery. Like you're out of your goddamn mind. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think we should at least lower the age of uh, who can be. Maybe it's. I don't, I don't know if that changes much, though. Uh, Maybe it's a no. social security side effects. Like, as soon as you go on a social security, can't vote I think, anymore. I think to me, what what would change a lot for Well, me, social security has a psychological. Sorry, James. I'll, no, let, right. I'll let you talk in a second. But social um, social security has a psychological impact. I go back to the. Guy that I ran across at the thrift store is like, uh, my first week of Social Security, I got 800 bucks. I could spend it on whatever I want. I overheard him saying this to the checkout clerk. And I'm like, fuck this guy. This is what he's he's doing after 60 <laughs> years of work. He's in a thrift store like I am trying to survive. <laughs> but he's just spending it willingly, interfering with my <laughs> will to survive. 
how do you spend it on whatever you want? I don't get that conversation. Because he's probably planned well and has enough money and enough uh, things that, that people, Social Security is just a bonus to So him. what I'm saying is doesn't that rub off in the 65-year-old who's okay and set doesn't give a fuck in which direction this yeah. country goes? Because they're off in Florida careless golfing like the president <laughs> is. So why should that person who doesn't give a fuck about the direction this country goes have a say in the direction this country goes? Sure, but not all people on Social Security are that secure. Yeah, okay. so, so AI so if comes you're on well, So if you're on welfare, is it the same thing? You can't vote? Maybe. That can skew your bias pretty considerably as well. But you're still – you're so much, much more vulnerable when you're on fucking welfare than if you're some old bastard who's that secure who's willing to spend $800 at a goddamn thrift store. Yeah, right. So that, it that's was a half off. Well, okay. The guys in there. How about – 35 still living with the parents with no job. Okay. Should that person vote? Maybe this should be a box on the uh, voter registration. Are you living at home and not self-sufficient? <laughs> it's discriminating. What if you're down on your luck? You okay. got, like, you got, you know. This is why we need AI. Fucking... We need AI to be able to, like, just reject you that's, at the booth with a fingerprint. That's, that's wrong, too. That's the whole point. Of it. I told you, you need to watch fucking Westworld the third season <laughs> because the whole point of it is we are complacent with AI deciding these nuances. Mm-hmm. And they're still it, – it, it doesn't recognize I'm cool nuance. if the programmers are intelligent enough to put the code in. They're Who's not? to say? What's I'll my, right what, now, what, I, what I think is intelligent, you may not agree That's on. That's insulting, Morgan. Because <laughs> you, you two might be comfortable with, the, with a 35-year-old at home in his mom's basement with other people are not, but it's still discriminating against. What if that, like I said, what if that 35 year old is just down on his luck? Yeah. So you're employed you, for, so again, you're like, well, I, I trust you can code that though, sir. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm my saying. programming mind or what I know of it is already saying you can code whether or not the guy's down on his luck and you can allow him if he's down on his luck to have a vote. But if he's been living at home for 17 years and he leeches off of his elderly parents and uh, all that, and he doesn't care which way it goes and he's got no, uh, checking account in his name. He's never held a job. He watches. You can do all this. He watches if, forty hours of Netflix a week. You can do all this with the data that we have. Then he shows up at the booth and he tries to cast his vote, like, and a big red fingerprint shows up. <laughs> <laughs> says, "No, go like, home and study. Read a wiki page. You this. fucking cunt." But what if the guy? But what if the guy? <laughs> Uh, what if the guy wants to turn his life around? He's like, I'm going to vote tomorrow and then stop being a bum and a piece of shit. Like, you could probably code that. Too. <laughs> it's all psychologically predictable. I would love to see just force you, Sasha, to write out the algorithm as to who should vote. The thing is, don't sit me in front of a computer. Just put a mic in front of me and I'll write the algorithm in, in, <laughs> in the middle of thin air it'll instead pop of, up instead of the miranda rights it's the morgan rights you know no. they, sorry you don't hey. pass the morgan rights you don't don't i'm not You're surprised in 400 years i hope morgan brown has a couple of laws in his name the morgan Early. brown code yeah price's law brown's law come on it sounds good it no. sounds good in the year 2030 brown's law says <laughs> It's only 10 you're years 60, from now what you're 68 golfing over 10 hours a week no votes for you <laughs> uh, it's we, a small world after all right now we say we say that all the time why not just let the fucking intellectuals have a say in the direction of the future of this country because that's not what the rich oligarchy who controls this country wants it cocks up their entire okay. fucking power plant right code well, like, right code to fucking thwart what the oligarchy wants. It's simple. Yeah, that's not the way oligarchy works. 
that's the that's what an oligarchy is. The smart are not in control. The rich are. That's why we got two fucking idiots right now. Right you on a debate stage. You don't feel like time is running its course though, and this is just like the end of the it line happens in waves. Sort of... there, there was we talked about there was a French Revolution when the working class said we're sick of this shit, mm-hmm. and the 1930s took an economy crashing for there to be social reform when it comes to economic sure. justice. Maybe it could happen again. What does an inte- intellectual revolution look like? It, being conscious. Not of the arts. A consciousness revolution. What does it look like? Can you even forecast what something like that would look like? A mass consciousness of what is happening to us right now. Okay. That the stupid are in charge because the wealthy who controls this country wants it to be that way. How long have you been saying we've been living in idiocracy, Morgan? Ever since I've seen the movie. Okay. <laughs> so, what did that come out again? 2001 something like that. 0102 this is not new but it takes a while for like the wheels to get going on something like this grand we're not talking about like an overnight sort of shift in ideals we're we're talking about reversing patterned psychology for the last hundred plus years at least at the very least in this country we're talking about a new renaissance yeah and and you have to like even the even if it was AI designed, even if AI ran the c- complete revolution, it would still have to aggregate centuries of data to understand the direction that needed to come next in order for it not to just fail overnight and not just be a big waste of time. That's what an intellectual conscious revolution would signify, I think, within the first 10 things that you'd have to have on that uh, list of, of things would be it can't fail or it can't fail quickly or it must sustain or it must it must be able to pierce the mirage of the last 200 years all fancy words for saying like smart people typically have a plan that doesn't falter like the idiots plans because the idiots plans are what is recycled and recycled over and over every 4 years or every 8 or every 2 or every time somebody goes from um, one marriage to another to another to another. It's like they're very short-termed plans and prerogatives, and they fail consistently. So I think we have enough data to see how we fail. We don't have enough data on how we succeed, but the AI would tap into the individual to acquire that because individuals in this country have succeeded, and there are benchmarks for conscious success in this country and making statement and shifting the way things go. We have real heroes as examples in this country. We have a long list of presidential heroes and and folks in that um, level of capacity that have really made a difference. We have speakers like Martin Luther King. We have speakers like Malcolm X. We have all this data accessible to us to turn this place into something better. I think we do. And I think it is. But I think the old way has to have its last stand, no pun intended, because Custer's, you know, last <laughs> Anyways. MLK uh, became his most dangerous whenever he started talking, uh, swaying away even implicitly from race and started talking about the working class standing up for each other. He didn't last long after he started saying that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um when men like him and um, Malcolm started talking about how the working class is fucked 
and started getting close to even implicitly criticizing the prison, the prison industrial complex, the military industrial complex. They didn't last long. Right. They died pretty much. The working, the working class, the difference is, and I agree wholeheartedly, but the difference is the working class was fucked. Yeah. But the working class of today is not fucked. The working, the, the system has made it to where the working class of today has a level of security to which they do not want to relinquish. And so that is actually what's impeding their involvement in the disaster that this country is. The white collar Americans today. They're too comfortable. Either way, yeah. they, they're already, they're a foot in the door to retirement and they don't want to cock that up. So the 45 year olds, the 50 year olds, the 52 year olds who are on the verge of, of reaching that, that uh, day where they can walk into the thrift store and buy the shop up. <laughs> They don't want to cock it up. So they don't want to speak up. They don't want to even I know some 35-year-old friends who are mute on everything happening and can really only get their points across and their their perspective and their real true feelings across via a meme or via a gif online. That's what they're relegated to because they know their boss is hawking over them, watching all their social media accounts, watching their LinkedIn accounts, watching their Twitter account, and they don't want to come off the wrong way. This is the world we live in. This is the oppression that they feel, the, the uh, white-collar Americans. But the pressure doesn't bother them because they can go home, they have a savings account, their children have meals to eat. The revolution almost isn't up to the folks in the middle this time around. It's just not. It's not the environment that is conducive of that. The revolution's up to the extreme ends of the spectrum, which is the poorest, the poor and the police state AI. (laughs) That's it. Those are the two ends of the spectrum, the ultra control that can be fine tuned and the ubiquitous sort of freedom that you could argue can be had on the other end where you have nothing to lose. Those are the two ends of the pendulum that are going to, basically tilt the middle in whatever direction it is and folks in the middle will have nothing to say about it even to the point where like if their future is on the line their social security or their neighborhoods it's it's tough to see suburbia revolting i cannot picture it i cannot picture (laughs) my my parents or their neighbors or any member of North Dallas, the people who live down the street from me, the, across the street. I'm trying to think what would cause Middle America to start throwing fucking bricks. Nothing. We just know. saw 200,000 of their fellow family members and friends die in the last nine months. And all we get they, is a couple of memorializations on Facebook about how sad it's been. It's not anger. So then what, theoretically? In a country of 340 million, does it need to be? Two million people. I don't think to die. Maybe it doesn't need to be that at all. Uh, the death angle. Maybe it needs to be. Obviously, loss of life does not impact a lot of folks in this country. It's um, unless it is, unless it's in your home, it does not have a direct impact on your world. So maybe it's something completely separate. Because I think the economy tanking and the economy collapsing 
does shake folks. You have no option at that point, right? Yeah. If stores are closing down left and right, and it's not just 20% of them, which is terrible enough, one in six small businesses closing up shop in the last eight months. But as long as it's not the barbershop you go to, or as long as it's not the salon you go to, or the grocery store you go to, or the restaurant you frequent, it doesn't impact you. But when it is, it will impact you. So when, I mean, I've seen a couple of our friends like say that they're saddened by not being able to go to their favorite restaurant during the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. I don't see the shakeout of complacency that they may still be in for whatever reason. I'm not using them as an example. But I'm just saying I'm just saying I can see the, their anger being amplified if that restaurant is just gone and is just not there anymore. I've seen posts on social media from folks showing me what their life was like last year compared to this year. I sense a little bit of anger there because they're pictures of like kids in school uh, with friends, with large groups. And the fact that this year we know the reality is not that it's kids are being homeschooled. There's some legitimate anger there with the way that people's kids are, are playing a role in this. But again, white collar Americans don't necessarily even care about the kids. You think that we are the reason that has happened is because you think that middle America has been conditioned to be comfortable to the extent that they're apathetic. For a long time, it's been down that road. And I don't blame the 21st century or anything. I mean, leisure time, the amount of time that you have available to you to do whatever the fuck you want has just gone through the roof exponentially over the last 80 years. There are no, the work days as tedious as they are and as, as arduous as we claim them to be when we get home had a long ass day at work. They're not like brick and mortar or maybe that's not the right terminology. They're not uh, trade jobs. They're not uh, hard manual labor jobs like they were a hundred years ago. They're sit down in an office and type for eight hours. I mean, that's what we ask of folks. So psychologically, that has a wear on you. If you're not doing much physically during the day, for 40 hours a week. What's my expectation of you doing much with the other time that you have on your hands? Like physically. The reason we're becoming a more obese country, the reason we're being an unhealthier country is because we're just being conditioned that way. The, the Wally future that we talked about. Yeah, we talked about that thousands of times big round lazy dumb and just wants to satisfy impulses all the time to the point they don't even want to learn then how much of the outrage do you, you think that you guys hear when it comes to the shit that he's done like supposedly saying that uh the, the soldiers who were killed were you know a bunch of losers what mm -hmm. the fuck were they fighting for how much of that outrage then if we're talking about people being just too numb to everything how much of it is, is legit that's what i'm wondering because the media says, oh, this, this is outrageous. I can't say that. I, I'm kind of nauseated by the idea that there aren't more people that are um, genuinely disgusted with that. Yeah. Like, what's lower than that at this point? Um, well, to answer that question, I would say that a very small percentile of people have been angry for a very long time and are still angry to this day. But they're not getting any angrier because they've, they've already tapped limit. out. Correct. And now, out of that almost comes a peacefulness with the anger, the level of anger that you have, because you've seen idiocracy for 19 years. You're numb to it at this point, right? To a certain degree. You, you, 
every dumb thing that happens is almost predictable. Yeah. Okay. It's the same thing with like the uh, level of expectations from the general public. It's yeah, it's the same thing. If we're gonna label the general public idiocracy, then I mean, it is what it is. How does that movie end? It ends with you know keeping on going. <laughs> the same old thing. Okay. Right? I mean, the average intelligence guy who happens to now be the smartest guy on the planet is elected president. That's how it ends. How does the movie continue if you were to make a sequel? It it goes down the same path. It still continues to okay. go. It's it's one guy, I think. Yeah. It's that's basically can can help the mass of idiots to a certain extent, but only to a certain extent. He helped them with the fucking water. Yeah, yeah, the water, <laughs> that growing plants or gr- gr- growing cl- crops. I'll spit it out. So and then the other thing, like bringing us back to what he said last night, his comment was stand back and stand by. Oh, to the Proud Boys. Yeah, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Yeah. So a we lot can, of- Yeah, Miguel, I don't know where you've been the last three weeks, but things have changed here. We can cue up the actual audio uh, clip from last night. Awesome. It's like 90 seconds, so I'll just let it play. There's no copyright here unless... Thank you. Copyright for ignorant Americans. <laughs> you have repeatedly we, criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, but do it? But I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you what are you, you what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. You want to call them what do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white like supremacists and white supremacists. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing white supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Right, not malicious. That. That's what oh, his right. FBI, his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then you know what? No, no, that we're done. So, yeah, there's a, a point in Joe Biden's column, I would say, that entire exchange, because the FBI did release an article of which I paid close attention to months ago that said the they were tracking a lot of whites, an insurgence of white supremacist crimes. And again, all the president of the United States was asked yesterday was to say he condemns white supremacy or white supremacists, white supremacies, uh, supremacy, that movement, and the Proud Boys specifically, and their violent behavior. What he said was stand down and stand by. Stand back and stand by. Sorry, stand back and stand by. <laughs> Chris Wallace gave him that, though, Morgan. Chris Wallace said well, all he had to say is he, he told him what to say. He basically said, will you tell them just to stand down? That's all he had to say. Yeah. All he had to say was, okay, I'm going to tell him to just back the fuck off, tell him to stand down. That's all he had to say. What does he do? St- stand back and stand by. I was like, you Well, fuck. it's not – it doesn't even end there. It began with like rationalization. It was like, well, right. wait, wait a second. I think Antifa is more They're important. They're the real danger. Like does anybody know what Antifa we talked about on the show? The actual like the the meaning of the the word Antifa. It's yeah. broken down into a prefix and, and a suffix just like every other word. It's anti-fascist. If, That's all why, it is. Yeah, why 
there are extremists. There are bad apples within that group, just like there are bad apples within law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. There's bad employees in every workplace. We've been through all that. But at its core, Joe Biden says Antifa is an idea, which is accurate. It is an idea. It is not a coalition of people waiting in the wings to rush into these places that are burning down or have protesters. No, those are the extremists. I don't know, bro. Uh, You might look at Portland. Yeah, those are the those. There, there are people that infiltrate those those settings that are that almost ride the coattails of what Antifa is. But Antifa, at the end of the day, is anyone who's anti-fascist. That's it. That's the the core. If Antifa is such a dangerous, well-organized group, why the fuck didn't they handle um, Trump's cult when they rolled through town? Well, if didn't, they, I, didn't they kill somebody in Trump's cult? No, what I'm, town? What I'm, they shot one guy in a melee. And he died, yeah. What I'm saying is that you had a whole train of these guys in trucks going down the middle of Portland. You could have been two dozen guys on the rooftops with shit, literally feces or Molotov cocktails. Or the, and it was it was so open when this it was a caravan basically of, of Trump trolls rolling down Portland. If there were such a you know well organized terrorist organization that's that is as dangerous as the right hills that they are, they could have killed all those guys from the rooftops. They They're could not. have killed them, much less throwing shit at them. They didn't do anything. It, it reminds and mainly, me. One of them got shot. It does slightly remind me of the way that the Black Panther Party was portrayed during the civil rights movement as like just these menaces and it's these people dangerous. that very dangerous and yeah, it's it's the same tone. It's the same style of approach that politics takes in labeling the war on drugs and the war. It's a war on, on it's a war on people that are fed up at the end of the day. It's is what we're seeing now. And if you cross a certain line of behavior or commentary or I, I don't know, um, just fed upness, then you're labeled Antifa automatically, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you compose yourself. I mean, anti-fascism, I would hope everybody's anti-fascist. It worked for if my great-grandfather when he stormed the beach. If I'm you're presented saying. with fascism around your door or outside of your door, I would hope you're anti-fascist. Otherwise, you are fascist. That's like the two, it's pretty black and white when you're dealing with that prefix, anti. It's like, you're one or the other, right? Sure. Maybe. So why is the president like supporting? I I don't know that. that he supports it though. But attacking anti-fascists means you're on the white, or I'm sorry, the yang of that yin. I, I, I think what you see is is protests getting out of hand, and certain groups playing a part in that hand, and actively on social media admitting and and rallying people to that point. So I, I don't I guess I don't understand your point. That yesterday during the debate, there was a back and forth about Antifa being a problem. I th- They're no more a problem than any other group. Right. But in the last three months, it's become the focal point of rallying a real problem like into fruition. The proud boy sort of extreme right mentality that's out there that is ready to kill people based on them, based on the rhetoric that they've heard from their leader. Because if you tell somebody to 
stand back and sorry, stand back and stand, stand by. Stand so back we're saying that you're a leader. You're, you're you're telling that to your group of folks. Uh, if you got a a constituency of a hundred people Such behind a you, weird and you way say, to "Look at things honestly." Well, okay. So if I got a hundred people walking down the street marching with me, and I say, "Stand back and stand by," that means wait orders. That's it. Yeah, I wouldn't say that to like David Duke's people. I might say that to some of my Mexican if, friends. If Jim Jones is talking to his coalition, if David Koresh is talking to his, he probably said the same words at some point. Stand back and stand by. I'll take care of it. This is what people in positions of leadership, it's the sort of language they use. I don't think he was talking really to then Morgan, to the alt-right, members of the alt-right, or you think he was just saying something randomly? You think he's sarcastic? Is that Well, he's excuse? just saying something in the moment. No. You guys act like it's um, it's specifically designed for him to say those exact words in that exact moment on television, confronted with everything, all at one point in time. I think you're probably reading a little too much into it because I really don't think the guy's that smart. Uh, maybe I'm not giving can, him enough credit. And in the end, what does it really matter? Can you like, what does it matter? Well, within hours, there were a couple of arrests made from Proud Boys who took that statement to heart and went out and caused hazardous behavior. Okay, like no one else has done that in the last six months? Not based, off, months? Not based off of one individual's verbiage. There, There isn't one person who got Portland rallied and, and throwing bricks against the wall and the argument could be made or throwing bricks through stores and whatnot. The argument can be made that it was actions that led to that. Yeah. It was behavior from police officers versus so minorities. Then can't we say that those continued actions for three or four months influenced another group to take action versus the words of a, a president? It could be both. Sometimes you say something impulsively, yeah. Morgan, but it's still the truth. You know, if I say if, if I'm if I'm angry and I say that's well, true, I, I hate this <laughs> that's fucking a good person. Point. Wait, I think just, we know that from from our my wife. I, 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 I'm, I'm agree with you halfway. I think that he was being impulsive. He did say it in the moment. Because he's saying, the fact what do you want me true. to say? Tell me what to say. What do you want me to say? And and he, all he had to say was, "I condemn white supremacists and any group who is like backing that." But he's doing he's doing that thing your wife does. Okay, he's not listening to your words and taking them literally. <laughs> he's thinking, I know what you mean. You mean Proud Boys. So he says Proud Boys. Proud Boys aren't even brought up by anybody else except Trump and that whole thing. No. Trump, uh, Chris, Chris Matthews Wallace, and – I'm sorry, Chris, Chris Wallace. Wallace. <laughs> Prior to that? And uh, Joe he, Biden He does well. say it in there in the yeah, audio. In, the um, little clip. in that clip we just listened to. But both of them do. But who's the first person that says Proud Boys in that clip? Joe Biden. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. And – we can play it back later when we listen and make sure that it is, but I'm pretty confident that Joe Biden says it first and then Trump reacts. And then Chris, well, I keep wanting to call him Chris Matthews, that loser from hardball. Sorry. He's gone. Okay. So then it's the opposite thing. You're just using what is told to you as the example, but you're giving me another excuse. Like the first go round when you thought. It so remember earlier when I was talking about how um, we concentrate on one thing in one sentence and we ignore the rest of the bar. I think we're doing that here. In in the long run, in the long scheme of things, what does this matter? Well, it's important to know whether or not the president is a legitimate white supremacist. Or but not. it hasn't. If you didn't know prior to now, you needed this statement to yes. prove it. Yes, you do. Because let me turn the mic over to my brother. Really, you if didn't you realize haven't... Trump was racist until this moment. If you, <laughs> if you haven't been holy crap. Attention. No, but if you haven't been paying attention because you just don't You'd have had to been in a coma for the last three years to not understand yeah. that you're dealing with a racist. I'm sorry. You didn't need this moment. And we, we latch on to it 
and it's the wrong thing to do, honestly. What if he's we all know it's stupid. Violence. We all know it's wrong. It's not as clear cut as that, though. It, it, that's not promoting violence. It's just not. Why can't we hold the president to the fire? He's been held for three years. Where have you been? No, no, no. Nobody's calling him Hitler, and nobody's calling oh, this. Really? They're not. They're calling him that, but they're doing it because it's an easy Every day on social thing. media, when I, someone is doing this to the president of the United States. Every I, single day. Every single day, there's a celebrity. Every single day, there's someone in the United States who is saying this. That's so I'm, yeah. So I'm, to his face. When I label him as as a Hitler-like figure, I mean it. And I mean that we are in the midst of a Holocaust-like event to where any direction that he wants to steer his followers in, they will go and it will lead to death. You're giving them way too much credit. Look at the last eight months of 2020. There are needless deaths in this country because of things that he said. That's legitimate, like you killed people. You led people to their death. We talked about it last week with the rise in hydroxychloroquine purchases. That's a minor, tiny blip. If you look at the data and the things that he said in the last eight months and you were able to source actual deaths back to something that he did or did not say as the leader of this country, you'd probably have 50 to 60,000 people that would still be alive if they hadn't gone to that bar that opened because he pushed for it reopening. If they hadn't gone to the Sturgis rally because nobody gave a shit in the biker community because they're all borderline proud boys. You can tie all these things back to a core. You are underestimating the, the freedom uh, thought process of the average everyday American. They're not led by him, bro. These bikers are going to do what they do when they do, no matter who's president or no matter what anybody is saying to them. But the law can say you won't. And the law had an opportunity to say, okay, no Sturgis rally this year. No opening of bars this year. So that has to be up to the state. The governor. So you're holding Trump responsible for this? So who are those people looking up to as their leader? Of the Republican So states. how many governors really give a shit about Donald Trump? I mean, seriously, most of Every them— Every Republican governor gives a shit about Donald Trump because if they go the wrong way— they... No, that's not true either. Yeah, I don't think That so. is not true either. I can't sit here and think that our governor sat there and said, okay, well, we're going to reopen our entire kidding? state because I believe that Donald Trump is— Donald Trump used the words— Yes, he used the language yesterday. I've got Florida. I've got Texas. Like, just that language alone. But that it, doesn't mean the governors in those states are in his in back his, pocket and doing every little thing. They're just his puppets. Traditionally, the governor of Florida and the governor of Texas are in the Republican I, incumbent president's so, back pocket. But that doesn't so mean that they right. don't disagree. But then what you're saying, Sasha— Or they is follow that, him blindly. Exactly. Or is that our governor wasn't going to reopen our state, but Trump said, no, 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 reopen it. And then he did, because— like I, I think yeah. that that maybe they're they're I don't believe that they're his puppets, but I think that it would be very short sighted to think that it, whatever he says doesn't influence them because of his cult. Uh, what's DeSantis? Every single time he does something like that, he does the in- Georgia governor too. Whatever the fuck his name was, he, the idiot who couldn't even uh, remember <laughs> fresh news. Before. I remember that. Yeah. Well, what, people like him and DeSantis, they do literally whenever they're like talking about why I'm doing this, they talk about. The president agrees. Is what DeSantis, DeSantis loves mentioning Trump. Well, is that agreeing with Florida. him, or is that putting it on him? Like you know, I'm no, I'm going off what he says. Let him be the reason why our real. Yeah. Honestly, is honestly, our. I governor, don't want to take responsibility for it as a governor. I want to push go. the blame off yeah. on just on like this every, guy, right? everybody that's does. Do that's but that's not a follower. Here's here's, here's well, 
someone doing their job. It's not a follower. Putting it on. Here's here's the difference though. I don't think that they are his puppets. I, I, honestly, maybe our governor fucking hates Trump, but because of Trump's cult, he's got to. No, he has to. I don't even think it's a cult. It's the it's the Republican line. You got to fall in line with your party. The Democrats do the exact fucking same thing, but for some reason aren't held to the same fucking standard sometimes that Republicans are when they do it. I don't we're think more willing to split. That's how we lost the last election. The progressives and the liberals were fucking killing each other in 2016. This is how half of the people stayed home. It's because they were so mad that Bernie didn't win the nomination. They were like, fuck Hillary. This country can burn to the fucking ground. I empathize with them at that time. But, you know, I, I disagree, Morgan. I think that the left is because it's so fucking broad ends up having a lot more infighting than the right in this country. The right. Mm, I, I, there's a lot of fighting inside the right as well. We have Trump Lincoln, is not, we Trump have, is not um, part of the galvanizing right. Galvanizing it. You don't think he's galvanized? He, he wasn't. It? He wasn't part of the group. When the, then the why are we talking thing? about him even having a chance in this election if he's a racist idiot who can't run this country and is running into the ground? Why is it still up for grabs? Well, because he's convinced people that he's that he's the savior. He that, is the, that, he is the he is the law and order but, president. But, it, but you draw the line he, at governors is, and mayors of cities. They don't elect the fucking president. That doesn't. But what they do is they try to protect their jobs. And if they're not towing the line that other people are going to vote for them, then they're right. they're not going to keep their jobs in office. But it's not because they went against Trump and Trump made it so. You think they're scared to go against him? You think Greg Abbott's worried about not, raising a voice against some of the shit? It that, depends on what what we're talking about. Forcing Texas to reopen and then Texas okay. blowing up in deaths and cases. Okay, let's I hate it. to tell you, if everything had been closed in June and there was nothing open, there would have still been parties. There would have still been people drinking. There would have still been people on you the beaches. You'd have been. How are you going to shut it down? You don't have enough police to close off every beach in this fucking country, what in this would, state. What else would they have been doing? If the streets they are shut down, we talked doing, about this in their like backyards, in bros. I mean, they shut those down now with drone surveillance. They, oh my god! Just you're this not, past weekend, they not, shut down a thousand person yeah. party in Florida. Okay, so when there's one going on on every other block, you're not going to have enough drones or police to control it. You really love this police state for an anti-fascism guy. I hear nothing but police state crap from you in controlling. When people. it comes to the right shit being controlled, absolutely. There's no such thing as right or wrong on, mm. in, in fascism. If it leads to police death. states, police state. Mm. This is, uh, we can get into the differences, the nuances. A there is no bit. nuance in there that. Is. I think there's a difference between a police state that's trying to get people to stop spreading Survive. disease and, oh, you're a Jew. Yes. Let's get you out of here. There is a difference. <laughs> Sasha, I think it's up for grabs still this election because of how l lacking the quality of our choices are. James, th that's been said. Of every election well, yeah, for but hundreds of years. This that's goes, the argument that doesn't lend its hand to progress. Because in four more years, guess what? It's going to be a couple of old fucking farts again. But it's exactly what Miguel just said. It's We're so mad that Bernie wasn't the candidate. Therefore, we're not even going to go for Hillary. Why would we care? It's It's the lack of choices that we have. We have two choices every time. And I don't understand why you can't have eight. Like, you know what I mean? Well, you do have sense. eight on a... On uh, it, and then it gets narrowed down. It gets... That's the now point. you have two. Why can't we always have eight all the way through to the end? Because... Well, we pick the best of the eight. It's... I don't know. Well, it's, how hard is it to have a four-person podcast, James? <laughs> I can tell you how hard it is. How hard it's been for well, an hour and a half. 
out of four people, I mean, everyone that's listening can pick who the reason is that they want to keep watching the show. And but then it's not a four person podcast and it's it's two people having a conversation and the other two just watching. And why are they there? Any, why are they there anyways? I'm not saying that's any indication here. I'm saying using your proposed forward movement, I think you prices law kicks in and says oh, two people are going to take the fucking reins of the eight-person race, and we're going to end up with the same results anyways. Well, I'm just saying that's why it's up for grabs. That's why we haven't made our damn minds up. It's because either way, I oh, feel I, like the progress... I don't think it's up for grabs. I, I think it's well, already... Landslide you know Trump. <laughs> but you, so you it's think, a landslide. You think okay. that it's going to be Trump again? Oh, yeah. But, but why? By how? a landslide. How, how and why? Uh, because everybody who's a Trump supporter is invigorated at this point. They're all going to go vote. Okay. Uh, right. and, and you're not going to get that. They uh, got nothing better to do. He's right. They got They're all going to go home. Every single one of them. Their day, their day, Miguel, consists of waking up and contemplating which beer to drink in the morning, which <laughs> beer to drink in the afternoon, what they're going to piss their life away doing today. You present them with uh, an option to get up and get out of the house and put somebody who they love and admire and keep them going on the the rail of nothingness that they have they, been put they, on. They they're going to They feel attacked at this point. Good. They should feel attacked. They're holding this country back from being something decent. And they're the the sole reason for it. And they know it, but they can't admit it. Okay, but you're not going to bring decency with Biden. No, but you're going to thwart the opposite, which is the downward spiral. I don't think the downward spiral continues at the pace that it is on with Joe Biden. It may continue because... It's inevitable. Civilization's fall. And we've been around for 200 years. That's great. But you don't accelerate it. But then again, maybe the acceleration of it is what should happen. Maybe what everyone should do is not vote. (laughs) If no one goes to the polls, what happens? Well, you can't convince (laughs) Eddie the fucking janitor not to vote. (laughs) I know. All right. Okay, so do I shift my stance? Do I – they're going to idiocracy approach here. It's tough, right? Do I – Convince myself that Biden is the solution to what's happening right now, to the problems that we're facing. Or do I say, you know what, I'm going to go back to what I did four years ago. I'm going to say, fuck it. I don't like any of the choices. Let's let this country just keep going south so that it hits rock bottom. That'll be a faster way to reach the change that I'm hoping to find in Trump's opposition. Which one's better? Do I just let Trump go at it again and let the next four years keep slipping away? It's such a multifaceted response because here I am arguing why Trump should not be reelected. But at the same time, the last year of this this uh, journey that we've been on and meeting up here on a weekly basis and discussing all the problems in America, I don't think we get the level of veracity and the level of passion that we have displayed all of us and our voices here, without the current conditions. And me being me, I am intrigued. I don't know. I disagree 100% with that. I had the same passion about different things 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm not impassioned by the last four years of this election. Oh, that's not what I'm... I think I care more about the state of this country than I ever have in my life. Uh, I 100% cared less about the status well, of this country. That's because you've seen it for 25 years. Uh, uh, I'm so drained by the energy vampires in this world yeah. today. I don't give a fuck. That's because you've seen it for 25 years. Miguel and I are starting to realize that, uh, yeah, this is how it goes. And this is how it's going to continue going. But 
the interesting part is that I, I don't want to speak for Miguel here, but I feel as if we have an opportunity exactly what I was to change things. Like I have said, I in this election, no, no, let me answer my brother's question and yours simultaneously. So he said, what should I do if I'm on the fence? What you should do is you should pick, if you're on the fence, anybody out there, you should pick the person who is going to allow for an environment over the next four years to be more conducive of change occurring. And that's where it gets tricky. Kanye. That's where it gets tricky because this is how I started my argument. Here I am saying Trump should not be reelected. But then I said, look at what it's brought out of me in the last eight months. I don't see a lot of negative in the style of rhetoric that I have displayed because I've listened back to it and I've studied it. So for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So that's why, like, I am intrigued by where this country goes 2020 to 2024 if Trump is reelected because that spiral accelerates. But if that downward spiral is accelerating, there is an equal balance to it and there's something else that's brewing and continuing. That's where the oligarchy has really like put itself into a corner because if it is one big club, everybody's on the fence right now. And like my brother said, or we've all said, the election's up for grabs. I don't think they like that. I don't think that they like the unpredictability and I think either way that Which it is goes. why both candidates are in their back pockets, by the way, right. and under their full control. Perfect. But either way it goes, I think the result and the the opposite reaction is irrefutably going to occur. Meaning if it's Trump, it just happens quicker. If it's Biden, happens slower. Because the masses are dulled back down to leftist sort of strategies and ideas for another four years but the build-up like the emotion the emotional charge doesn't just go away if joe biden is elected i don't believe that it might go away in the on the fence person or the white collar individual who's five years away from retirement and could have given a shit either way it does not go away in the invigorated person I, have, I do not think it goes away. I have not seen anything from from Biden that's going to indicate a stoppage or even a reversal of Perfect. the trends. Perfect. So if I'm on the fence, if I'm neutral, or if I've always been slightly left, slightly right, and analytical of my choices, then I'm re I'm I'm facing two options uh, as far as my approach to this election. Option A is well. Either choice is shit, so I'm not going to vote either way. It doesn't matter. It's just nothing's going to really change. And option B is, well, which one's the better choice? Well, obviously, it can't get much worse than uh, the last four years of leader, but we can argue, well, maybe the better choice is to take that approach and say, well, which one's the faster avenue to a reversal? Or which, which person creates an environment from the top down that is more conducive of you changing you as an individual i have not seen or accelerating your path to growth for me it's which candidate will get out of my news feed that i don't have to read a headline about on the newspaper and i can just go about my life as normal that's the so that's why neither one of them will get my vote. Exactly. Everything that you guys are saying is basically a reflection of – I think I've, I've mentioned this before. It was a friend of mine who's a female, and one of the smartest human beings I've ever met uh, was telling me back in 2016 she was going to vote for Jill Stein. 
And I was taken aback by that. And I said, R.L. Stein's wife? No. Sorry. The doc that should have that turned out to be an asshole. Energy vampire. Yeah. But I asked her, I'm like, how how can you not? I'm I'm not even a fan of Hillary. I've criticized her all the time. I've written papers how much I can't stand her. And I'm voting for her. How the hell can you vote for Jill Stein? And what she said was interesting. She said, if I vote for Hillary Clinton and she wins, it's going to be a slow drowning of the working class. If I vote for Trump and he wins, we're going to have trial by fire. Mm-hmm. So I, which we've gotten, I, which we've gotten, and that that's why I feel differently this time. I was like, okay, we've gotten it. So we've gotten four what's on years. your checklist? What what remains on your checklist of things that you need to see <clears throat> um, to feel not need to see? What remains on your checklist of things that you would like to see? this country move towards. I know Morgan doesn't give a shit anymore. He just wants to get back to his job. But you, as a politically inspired individual, or at least someone involved in the realm, care about the way that the next 30 years of politics goes. So what would you like to see occur? Would you like to see the the voting ages be more um, encapsulated to reasonable you, individuals? Would you like to see... You pick your battles. Mm-hmm. If I'm, I'm more, I might be worried about not making my bed upstairs, but if there's a fucking grease fire in my kitchen first, I got to handle that first. There's a yeah. whole litany of things that I want to see from Biden that I think the left should hold his feet to the fire to. I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried about forced hysterectomies. Yeah. That's the first time... That did it for me. The immigration that story? fucking did it for me okay that that was it okay just the body mutilation that was going on exactly that was it okay this is some mengala shit that's going on right now yeah that was that to me is the fire in my fucking living room Those people have directives those people have orders those people are not doing it on their own like because they have scalpels every every single thing we've seen from this administration when it comes to the separating of the kids Mm -hmm. we found out came from the higher-ups namely stephen miller Okay, uh, who's that? Stephen Miller is one of his advisors who's known for having Trump in his ear. And it came out he has white nationalist um, write, writing. Mm. Uh, some papers came out that he did when he was in high school and college that basically admits I'm a white nationalist. Fuck people of color. Fuck immigrants. Okay, this is somebody who's in Trump's ear. When everything, when Trump is out of office, I mean, we knew that with uh, Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon. Yeah. Steve Bannon's also he identifies as a white nationalist. He'll tell you. Mm-hmm. He told Amorosa that. Uh, not that she's the most. That's why you're reading her book. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is, is that we, we, like Morgan said, we fucking, we've known what Trump is. At this point, if you, if you changed your mind after watching this, and heard him say that last night, and you're like, oh my god, revelation, I, oh revelation, mm-hmm. oh my god, he actually is a fucking racist. <laughs> you're fucking crazy. Okay. You're out of your mind. But so, so that that to me, I, there's uh, a dumpster fire okay. going on in my living room. I'm, I, I can wait. To hold Joe Biden accountable for all this shit I want to hold him accountable for. When both of you guys said that, I I agreed with both of your statements. Like, if you did not know that Trump was a racist going in, fine. What I am suggesting is Trump is more than a racist, and I can't convince you of that yet. You're, you draw the line at me saying that there's funny business going on in this country that is reminiscent of funny business that was going on in another country to systemically continue a no i think drawing that that comparison or conclusions out of line as well okay my job is going to be to get you to in this regard maybe see through my lens on that but it is going to take a long time i will never see the lens through that you'll never never see that through your lens so you'll never never think that nazi residue 
can be hanging around here and has established itself in positions of power and is still carrying on a mission that's less than 80 years old? No. Okay. You know the Ford Company was affiliated with the atrocities that occurred in Auschwitz in numerous concentration camps. They provided them with the metal for the rails. So there are American... I know we love to look at the glory of this country, and I like to look at it too, but there's a lot of ugliness in this country that has not gone away. It's still here in the form of racism, so and we can address that. So the Ford that. Motor Company went, oh, you're, you're building trains to, to kill people? Yeah, let me sell you some freaking... Yeah. That's what they did? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just you, don't think they looked, you don't think that them, along with organizations like the Catholic Church, Morgan, looked the other way at some of the atrocities uh, I, that were going on? You know what? I I think they're a business and they're selling product. That can be evil when, sometimes. Well, I got gotcha, you. But, I mean, you're, you're also talking about 1930s where uh, there is no information superhighway. I'm talking about 2020. What are you talking about? So if there were evil corporations doing it then, but they were oblivious to the so fact if that you're, if you have somebody trying to do it now, it's all recorded. It's all electronic. There's social media. There's cameras. There's video. Yeah. No one will ever get away with what they got the away US with. Government couldn't get away with it. No, they could not. Okay. There's too many whistleblowers. I mean, we don't listen to them. Edward Snowden's been telling us for 12 years that Google watches our every move and knows everywhere that we're at and that everybody's got a record. It took a fucking it, Netflix documentary it, to if, get through it, the— If it took Edward Snowden to convince you of that, you're a fucking moron. Exactly. But it took the Netflix documentary— You are a fucking moron. I agree. But 12 years later, it took a Netflix documentary to impact an entire other chunk and say, oh, wait, this is really going on? There's a lot of fucking morons, Morgan, because how many people didn't believe that was true until fucking he said that? If we, we used to call those people tinfoil hats. There is something behind that. It doesn't matter what decade or century it was offered. When there's something that's offered by a business for free, there's something behind that. And you know what? People don't want to believe that. People I'm, just want to see. Just they don't. They don't. They look through things with rose-colored glasses. They don't think. You know why am I getting this for free? They just go sweet. That's with free. social media. Yeah. What well, doesn't that make a web things- browser? Getting online? I mean, you used to you have had to, to pay, pay for, for AOL. AOL. Yeah. yeah. But you had to you, pay to listen but, to that once fucking you, connections. But once you paid for I, a different ISP, you had your choice of free browser. You didn't think the free browsers weren't tracking what you were looking at? Lycos and uh, all, all, that, uh, and all Years later. Somebody like yourself, Morgan, probably thought about that at the time. But, but I was Most millions of people didn't think about that. But we weren't searching for stuff back then that was as useful as what it is now. This was the buildup of the data aggregation that you're talking about. In the Netscape days and the Lycos days, we were just discovering the internet. We were not giving them any insight on what our wishes for our life was, uh, what our occupation goals, where we want to move, what we buy and eat on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We weren't giving that sort of stuff. We were discovering the internet. There was not a lot of data back then to suck into and become energy vampires like you uh, labeled them. I mean, I'd call you tinfoil for saying, for even using that word or those words. It's a reference to a television show. Well, I'm saying it's legitimate and that there are energy vampires in the form of people that leech off of people's data and they're in and just whatever's going on in their heads whatever's going on in their hearts and their souls there is a legitimacy to that because we see it front and center the bots that they have designed to suck up its propaganda or its advertising bucks at the end of the day and we could brush it under the rug but 
there's an evil machine to propaganda. It, the Edward Bernays concept of the American breakfast was very, uh, very laissez-faire at the beginning. But then when everybody started eating eggs and bacon and a slice of toast for breakfast, there's some semblance of brainwashing. It's not because everybody just loved it from the jump. They were ushered into that breakfast. They were ush- just like they're ushered into walking down the aisle and picking out their favorite cereal and the fact that the cereal aisle is eye level for the kids. And that's why the stuff without the characters is at the bottom. Um, not cause it's a cheap store brand. It's cause Tony, the tiger has got to stare at your kid in the face and your kid has to say, Oh, that tiger's smiling back at me. Get that for me, mom. Or <laughs> Captain crunch was fucking ears. But all that does is stick you into a funnel to go to the dentist every two years with cavities, et cetera, et cetera. have poor health from the get go. These are the things that, people are turned off to that go on behind the scenes. The decisions are made to say, yeah, put a fucking tiger on the box, put 200 grams of sugar on the box because people suck it up and it's the easy, convenient way out, but we don't hone in on it. This is, this is the type of weather talk that I want to have. That's it. You want to talk <laughs> about the weather in detail? I want to talk about this stuff in detail, but we never get to it. There is some evil shit going on, and it has been going on for decades, centuries, millennia. It doesn't just stop because we live in the information age. I think it intensifies because we live in the information yeah. age, but it's also easier to defeat because we live in the information oh, age. No, it's not. I'm, I, I think it's way harder to defeat now that we Why? live in the information age because you are willingly giving it every bit of data about you and it knows exactly how to influence you. Yes. According to its algorithm. Yeah. But what if I don't subscribe to its algorithm? So you're never going to buy anything off of, off of Amazon. You're going to give up Twitter forever. I don't know that Amazon and Twitter are the guys I'm talking about here. Well, they're 100% the largest aggregators of data and information next to, and throw Facebook in there with them. That's your top three. It was what I would tell you. It's the. There's two different type of evils. It's very interesting, Morgan, that you're saying this now because no more than five minutes ago you were talking about because of our ability to access so much digital information, they couldn't get away with another Holocaust. Yeah, they can't because there's gonna it, it'll be out there. As something's recorded, something's written. In 1930, there's not video cameras in every freaking room. So you don't think that Big Pharma's movement to get kids in the early 2000s addicted to prescription medication based on the older generations? Uh, adoration for that and the way that they were treated in the 70s and 80s was that like oh prescription medication is going to be a cure-all this is this is what science has led us to at this point look at the innovation of science you got a headache it could go away with a pill you got uh, mental depression it could go away with a pill or be lessened you got ulcers in your stomach uh, go away with a pill They they never addressed the root of the issues they just created a buffer to continue the issues and make a ton of money from it. So you don't think that we're at the point right now where, I mean, that sort of stuff is more important than knowing I need a set of fucking tires because I've been driving around for four months and they send me an ad for discount tire. That's not evil. Evil is getting people dependent on a way of living that is not conducive of their health. And I mean, at the core the the core level that's it if you're trying to if you're trying to depreciate the human condition that's evil in any way shape or form if you're trying to cause harm whether it's psychological or physical upon another person for no reason it's harm and or it's evil and people are doing that on a corporate level now it's not individuals i'm not trying to get anybody hooked to prescription medication if some guy on the street approaches me and say 
says, can I interest you in a pill for your ailment, sir? I'm probably going to look the other way. But we don't do it when it's some YouTube ad or when it's some fucking commercial on TV. People dial and they say, oh, they've got the answer to all my ailments. That's predatory capitalism slash evil. That's the stuff that needs to go away. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about pot users right now. So what you're telling me is that without any corporation backing up and with it being an illegal drug, that the thought process that there is so much curative power in marijuana and CBD oil, you're telling me that propaganda bullshit's not evil? I no, I'm not there's, saying that there's a it significant is. difference between uh, somebody who smokes pot, who's basically can buy it off of his fucking granny, who's living next door, growing out of her own backyard. And someone addicted to opioids. And someone, and, and yeah, I mean, it, but it's it, the same principle, is what I'm saying. Is you had this? That's not a corporation. It's not even an organized an organized thing. This is just human behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay, human behavior is okay. always going to want drugs. The difference is, is that there's a lot more. There's a lot less side effects to somebody being a pothead next door who smokes weed and minds his own fucking business, or to some guy next door instead. Well, compared to like the guy next door who's who's taking like you addicted said, addicted to Adderall, who's addicted to all these different you know medications because of the fact that he's seeing it on TV. He thinks it's the cure all. And some of the side effects of that are fucking insane. Well, the side effect is generational, too, because he passes that down to his children, maybe on a DNA sequencing level, because we the don't drug know the itself term, is effective. Yeah. Exactly. This is 30 to 40-year-old stuff that we'll never know, because Big Pharma is like Coca-Cola in the fact that they'll put a clamp down on anything that tries to – this is a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure of businesses. There's no piercing that. There's no saying, oh, here's a study that just leaks. There's no Edward Snowden who can bring down the trillion-dollar pharmaceutical business. They won't allow that. It doesn't disappear overnight either unless people start falling flat dead due to prescriptions that they were given in the last, which is interesting because because if you have a mental illness, this is new today, fresh on the scene. If you have a mental illness, you have double the chance of dying of COVID. So that's very interesting to me because one out of five – Americans has, has been diagnosed with a mental illness. So you have, regardless of age, you have a twice the chance of passing away from COVID if you catch the flu, uh, or as people would like to call it, uh, uh, the a bigger, badder flu, Chinese flu, whatever. But you now have that level of threat if you catch COVID. Is that the case with everything? Is that the case with the flu? If you have, what if you have a dependency on prescription medication? Do you, you have a mental illness technically, right? You don't, you aren't prescribed medication unless you have a medical ailment, correct? Isn't the good news though, that people like me and you, there's millions and millions of more of this generation uh, that are conscious of what the fuck you're talking about. Cause we joke about that. Like we'll watch, we'll turn on the TV right now, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. We'll see a drug commercial with a bunch of white people dancing outside their house in a party or like at some kind of a fucking luau. Mm-hmm. And while they're dancing, looking happy, there's a guy at the bottom of the voice saying, side effects may include death, diarrhea, <laughs> and depression. Like, yeah. It has like – Erectile dysfunction is the one that gets me. I'm like, yeah, no, keep me away from that shit. Like, yeah, like like the, like in the commercials, long, you see all these people – have a long, happy sex life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, I don't know why you got married. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting that out. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Next, but hey, he's getting, no, you're not. He's oh, he next, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you have to admit that the side effects of pot we can joke about, but they See, are I trivial compared to some of the scary side I, effects. We well, I don't know because it's not a legal drug. It's never really been studied. So how do it we really know? Studied. We've had it since no. the 60s to study. There's no. 
You know what the hippies turned into? The hippies turned into the the 60-year-olds I don't have a problem with. (laughs) That's all all they've turned into. The 60-year-olds I can have a conversation with about the way of the world and they actually listen. Those are the hippies today. That's it. I wasn't I wasn't promoting pot as a cure all to my younger brother or uh, my parents. You are. But there's a lot of people that do that won't stop talking about it. I mean, you have a bud tender. Seriously. Yeah, that's that's capitalism getting its its greedy hands on something that it didn't have before the bud tender. The guy you bought from probably treated you much the same way. I've got selling it to you. Right. Without being a corporation or without having an agenda, the, right? Here's the thing: the guy that I, the guys that I buy pot from are probably like it's like Pineapple Express. They're lonely, they want to hang. They don't got a lot going on. <laughs> they they're smoke not you nef- out every time. They're not nefarious. Yeah, they're, not, the they're not like what the, the ones that smoke you out. Worst. Why? Yeah, why? Why they can't you just pick stuff. up your product and go? Why you got to hang around for an hour? Well, I mean, sometimes if you're cool with the guy, then you kind of want him to hang around. I don't. I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get up and leave. Maybe man. want him to meander. Talk about. I don't want to meander. I'm trying to get my. You don't pot want to leave. meander with your pot dealer. <laughs> no. Like, like, yeah. No. So, like, I, my pot dealers throughout my life have never been nefarious. Right. They're lonely. They old haven't been Shia LaBeouf hippie. in that tax collector movie. No. Okay. Well, these motherfuckers aren't nefarious. <laughs> They're the highlight of their day is talking about what kind of fucking cheese they discovered that day. We make we make fun of pot heads and pot dealers, but there's nothing nefarious about my pot head dealers. There's just not. I think that can be said by most folks who are just intelligent about where they get their pot from. It's well, like yeah. you can't – if you're driving in, in South Dallas or if you're driving in uh, a notoriously crime-ridden part of any city searching for pot with your window down asking, hey, you got any pot? You got any pot? <laughs> People don't do this. <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody knows you just go to your local restaurant and ask a the server. They'll know right where pot right. is. You can probably get it right in the parking lot there. I, I do this a lot. But, but stick the entire argument I made about pharmaceutical drugs and people are funneled to a place to get their drugs from. Well, and basically that's what I'm saying is it doesn't take much to convince people that something cures something. It doesn't take them. That's does take, snake oil salesman. Yeah, it doesn't take much at all. Most potheads that I know don't consider pot a cure-all. Most oh, pot dealers God, I know don't man, consider. Let me, let me introduce it's to some a de-stressor. I, I mean, it's crap. a de-stressor, but so cigarettes for those folks. If people who are addicted to cigarettes keep smoking on it. I know that's because not a, every, that's a stimulant. Yeah, but it calms you down for that moment in time. Every cigarette I lit up was like a de-stressor because of whatever was going on. And that's why I stopped because I just learned on – I learned about how to control my environment a little bit better. (laughs) Every generation has something that's a cure-all. Morgan, you're old enough to remember whenever – remember St. John's Ward? The St. John's Ward trade, <laughs> like Wart, Ward, how do you say it? Wart? St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward back sounds, in like from – It just doesn't sound good. Back in like freaking 99 to like 2001 or something, there was like a period where here in the U.S., everyone thought that St. John's Ward was a cure-all. Yeah. For the past few years, we're seeing that with CBD oil. Yeah. When I do walk into a health shop, they're pushing CBD oil on me like it's, it is the fucking cure-all. It's at every corner. There's one in every strip mall at this point and all that. And Yeah. What I do with that is I diagnose what else is at every strip mall. What what other types of businesses are at every strip mall and have gone come and gone over the last 15 to 20 to 30 years? Okay, there's dentist office at pretty much every strip mall. There or every, you know what I mean, like uh, every intersection, major intersections. There's restaurants, there's dentist office, there's uh, fast food places. Cell phone place. Cell phone place. So it's all fucking predatory capitalism type of stuff that all kind of 
works in unison, one big club to sustain itself. In order for the dentist to have millions of dentist locations out here, people have to have poor dental hygiene. They have to be eating poor stuff in their from their childhood on, and they have to not be brushing because they don't have enough time. They have to not be flossing because they don't listen. It's all of these systemic things that have been in, conditioned into people to sustain the places that have sustained. I don't want to see these places anymore. I want to drive at an intersection and see cool fucking options for me to get out of my car Call me old-fashioned. I'm brick and mortar. I want to pull up and like have one place that I'm like, man, this is awesome. Maybe a board game cafe or something like that. The malt shop. Or- and then next door, I want to have yeah, an old-fashioned malt shop where I can get a sugar-free malt beverage <laughs> so that it doesn't rot my teeth out. And then next door, maybe I can go buy some old music albums or new music albums or listen to music. And then next door, maybe you can have a little creative place for kids. I want some a revolution in ideas from the fucking people that are responsible for small businesses and ideas. But all I see is restaurants, medical, boring ass fucking places catering to the boring lifestyles that people have been lulled into living. What you're saying is felt in our generation because there's some hipster places I can take you to here in the DFW. That's what that's what you see. Well, it definitely is. We we reject those intersection style businesses. We don't step foot into them. But the problem is others do that have become dependent on that style of living. So they don't go away. You think Generation X over here is, is one that brought us? Not him shit? specifically, <laughs> but since he's at the table, hamburgers I'm going to use him. Me. No. Wait, 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 wait. No one say anything about hamburgers. Yeah, I mean, not, don't take – the fast food places in the – I know I've been hard on fast food, but I have I've thought about it recently, and I'm like <laughs> – I've thought about it just as recent as today when I pulled up to McDonald's. I'm like, shit, man. Um, yeah, my daughter's in the car. She hasn't eaten for four hours, and – It's convenient. It is convenient. My options are going to like a, a uh, what's the thing from Star Trek, the, the machine? The thing that creates food randomly. Yeah, so having those at every street corner and being able to go to them and like pick and choose. Although there are some Eastern ideas like in the, in the big cities in China and in uh, Japan where you go in and you have a variety of like spinning wheels that have a variety of meals for you yeah. or the – now they have like assembly line or not assembly line, but uh, what the fuck are those things called? What What's the walking escalator material called? What are those things called? Conveyor belts. Conveyor belts. Yes. God, mine, I'm so focused on talking about all you. this. that conveyor I, belts I had to think too, yeah. So yes, a conveyor belt style uh, place in Tokyo where you have a variety of meals and they just send it out to you. Um, and you can basically wait for your ideal meal at the time to show up and you pick it up and you pay four bucks and that's it. Those are interesting options. Like, But don't you think that what they're going to do is realize which product gets bought the most and make more of it and push it? Then people who are interested in new creative concepts withdraw from that very quickly. Boy, I don't know. Blockbuster went away very quickly because it couldn't adapt. It was around for 25 years prior. It had built its, its entire infrastructure was built on something that people wanted and i still want the shit but it still went away so there can be a large constituency that still has something in their life but it cannot be conducive of growth and it can be okay to take that away from people like 
I'm a little sore about blah. I lost a job and I lost a one of favorite places that I want. I liked going because I was a physical media collector. But take a look around. I managed. So somebody who's addicted to fast food and addicted to um, other shit that you see around every street corner, insurance companies at all. Uh, maybe these places. No, okay. Wait. I don't want to anger anybody. No, I, my my place I work at is not in a corner. <laughs> right. Sky. No. They they've made it. Oh, just, just <laughs> do away with a lot of shit. It shouldn't be that tough. We can we can get rid of a lot of this stuff very quickly. I think it's it's a matter of what the next generation wants. Uh, maybe the next generation will think like you were. You don't want the the cookie cutter fast food bullshit. You know, we want something uh, more of choice. That's why all these freaking like snappy salads, all these other. Yeah. I mean, Chipotle. We make fun of them, but you know, at least there's some diversity. They've burned there. out. They've burned out too. They've been around for 15, 20 years. And who the hell wants a fifteen dollar salad for lunch? <laughs> I mean, if yeah, I'm gonna, they're always if, fucking busy. And if I'm, I don't know why. I mean, if I'm gonna get a salad like that, I'm just gonna go to a sit down restaurant and pay half the price and go through freaking. You work in Richardson, salad. man. People are people are turned off to their decision making for lunch. They just want whatever's close, whatever they can get within forty five minutes to an hour. I don't know. There's a lot of problems. Uh, have you ever been overseas? I've never been overseas. Um, Morgan? Once. Yeah. Where to? Uh, England and Germany. Yeah. No, never been no. on a plane. When I was in That's China. That's incredible, by the way, that you haven't been on a plane. Oh, happening next year, but go ahead. I noticed something in China that I noticed in New York City, and that after a certain time of day, when normal suburbia shuts down, everything else comes alive. It keeps going. And it's in every city over there that I was in, not uh, not just the major cities. Um, I noticed a different culture at different times of the day, different businesses, different tastes, different options. And those options started to overlap daytime, nighttime. I guess that's what makes sense, right? So if you're thinking about it, if suburbia, our towns that we live in right now, decides to all of a sudden just open 24 hours like Jack in the Box. Everything becomes Jack in the Box and McDonald's. You have every business, every place, everything you can think of is now available 24-7. Then you'll notice over time that things that want to be purchased or things that get bought at nighttime are going to be different. And I think in a big city that's been doing this for a long time and uh, countries that keep their economies open, a lot longer than what we do in suburbia are going to find new ways to find what you're looking for and give you new options, new tastes, new, new things. But eventually you're going to have overlaps so that you can find these things daytime, not just nighttime. Like you're going to have these vendors, you're going to have these shops that open up at nighttime to start, but then eventually you're going to have these options work daytime too. No, I get I get what you're saying with the Far East mentality of keeping the city alive. And the same thing happens in New York and Chicago and L.A. for that matter. And those are arguably the most cultured cities that we have. They're the biggest melting pots in this country. I think it'd be you could argue San Francisco. And that's about it. I don't I think those four when you when you ask anyone, like, what are the four biggest melting pots of people and personalities? That's it. And that's kind of what that forces. I don't, but here's the, the dangerous thing. 
I do not think that suburban America is multicultured. I think that they have been converted into thinking along the lines of one predominant way of living. Sure. And it bleeds so heavily into even their jobs. The concept of their work is labeled with white collar. Those people don't, Morgan, if you're a white collar worker, you've already said on air tonight, you just want to go back to living the life that you want to live the way that you want to live, right? Well, I do that anyway. I know. I just don't want, I just don't want to be bogged down by the stupid stories every day. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. And what you're also getting at, I can kind of feed off the white collar that you're hinting towards. The robot white collar. Yeah, it, it implies. That is catered to by corporate America and the yes. people going into small businesses with the ideas. You can't, you can't get a good idea into a bank right now unless it's a fucking restaurant, a dentist place, a medical place, a CBD place, a 24-hour emergency hospital. That refers you back to the emergency room every yeah, time you sure. go in. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing I'm forced into is the restaurants, the choices of shopping that I have closes at a certain time. Which gives me approximately X hours to do those things. And then I have to call it a night because there's yeah. nothing left to do. Or if it's, you're hungry at 11 p.m. at night, you've only, only got one or two got. choices. Exactly. And so my cyclical life you can cycle, cook for yourself. My, well, cyclical life cycle, that's doubled. Well, um, my oh, choice Maybe is I have to, to go to the grocery store, which is fucking closed. Exactly. Is I have to now wake COVID. up the next day and nothing's open yet. Because we all open at the same time. So now I go to work. Now I come home. I have my lunch options, which are limited to one hour. So I don't really have much to choose from there. And then I come home and I have family time to look forward to because everyone else is coming home at the same time. So now it's our time to spend together. And that's just the it's the repetition. It's, it's all you do. And there's in big cities, you've got so many people that there's a demand, especially in other countries where the culture has changed from where we are, that that demand says, you know, you know, we got way too many people to just do this nine to five shit. Let's fucking do yeah. it eight till eight. Now we're going to go all night long and a whole nother side of our, our uh, country is going to open. I mean, and, I touched on it earlier. Yeah, the demand in suburbia here in this country is just not there. If you're yeah. looking for um, outspokenness from them, you're gonna get you're gonna get happy versions of Morgan. And that's my point. You're it's, gonna get people who love their jobs. Going, I mean, I'm not saying you don't love your job, but love the robotic lifestyle and don't sure. crave anything new. And but their robotic lifestyle is not as interesting as yours. Is what I'm saying. And that you have an interesting for, broad yeah. spectrum of interests. And things that you spend your time doing. I'll give you that. But you're an interesting person. Well, I, I like my me time. And it's during my me time that I start to explore and get into different things. Okay. Nobody else does that. I know. Well, people, other people do it. In your position, white collar, suburban well, America, nobody someone else does it. my age, married as long as I have, probably has two or three kids. And I don't know that you would have the same opportunity with two or three kids to do what I do or... or uh, explore what I explore. I think I, so much of my life might be consumed in raising the child and being interested in the child that it would take away from my me time. That's I'm fair. a pretty selfish person. I want my me time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Everything you were talking about reminds me of the conversation I was having with Maggie about how that's sort of the future. 
people's obsession with choice and also nightlife um, is going to be, I, I think that we are inevitably headed towards being more nocturnal because the reason me and Maggie started talking about this is we were um, watching a thing on the news about how they were so worried about kids passing out from playing soccer outside and football and baseball because of how the temperatures gotten really bad, that they're going to have more night games and they're going to have more indoor sports. And I think to myself, well, if all the predictions are right, that it's going to keep getting just fucking hotter and hotter all the fucking time. Whether you think it's man-made or not, forget that part. Let's, let's take the whole conversation about man-made climate change. Out Things of the are going to have to change regardless. Yeah. Let's, let, I mean, it looks like whether you think it's man-made or not, the climate is changing. Things are getting just fucking much hotter every single year. More kids are passing out from having to play outdoor sports. It's inevitable for us as a society and as a culture here in the U.S. to be more nocturnal, to do more things at night. Mm -hmm. And I think that that combined with the obsession of choice, like you were talking about, we're going to have a Blade Runner future yeah. where everyone's going to be much more lively social, at lively at night. I was going to mention Blade Runner earlier. <laughs> yeah. The way he was describing <laughs> reminded me of the scene same from thing. Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. And that what's happening in Asia is going to happen in the U.S. We, gonna, open, we open this entire show with a discussion of Japan and what it was like over there and the culture that is going on and how that's led to a a detached sense of family and growth of the family and that's contributed in their well, population reduction. Yeah, it's going to lead to the there not being many Japanese people left in right. a hundred or couple hundred years. And so if we're headed down that path too, because Japan is the I, I would say they are at the forefront of technological advancement as far as civilization is concerned. I, th I think, I mean, the fact that my phone says Samsung co commits to that and uh, a lot of our phones say Samsung, a lot of our phones say, or TV say Sony and all of that. And they've kind of been at the forefront for some time. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I think that, unfortunately, cynical Sasha here, we don't know, as an American culture, we don't know how to make that work to our advantage. We're just going to suck it dry. Suck what dry? The creative, we're going to have five to ten years of just beautiful exponential growth and newness, just like we do with a lot of stuff. And then the fun of that is going to be gone. We'll have run the gamut of, okay, like we conquered this, we did that. Now what's next? It's, it's something about the Western mentality that contributes to that because at the end of the day, we are the most, I don't know if this is an accurate statement. I want to say it is. We are the most newly established, like territorial discovered place. We're the new world. Yes. We've, okay. We, 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 yeah, are. we are the new I world. Mean, We've yeah, I mean that that's what we've been for you know hundreds of years. Um, and I don't know. I'm not as cynical as you. I don't, I don't think that we're going to run the gamut on um, creativity and innovation because we're always hungry here in the U.S. for something new. Culturally, that's who we are. Yeah, we're always we looking for the newest, next best thing. We do, but is it as good as the the fad previous capital of the world? Yes, I guess I'm coming at it from a more artistic point of, or comparison because what he's suggesting is a revolution of of creativity in the form of business. And I think of time. Yes. But in order for that to happen, you have to have a yeah. revolution in thought of like what it's necessary. You just have to create demand. You have to yeah. give people reasons to believe that adding 12 hours to their possible life benefits the world. 
if you say, nope, you're going to spend the next eight hours sleeping, that's your choice, then it's it's you're giving no reason to accept anything better. It's not easy to do that. I know. Obviously, it's not. That's But what I'm getting the at The easiest is, route to that is saying the work week goes from 40 hours mandate to like 32. That's the easiest way because then you just buy eight hours of open, creative, do whatever you want with this eight hours and just do whatever you want. We, we've talked up UBI because that's sort of a um, an alternate way of doing that is saying, okay, maybe we can't give you the time yet because corporate America needs you 40 hours a week to do absolutely nothing productive or nothing new, but we'll give you a thousand bucks a month and maybe you can make something new out of that thousand. The other option is since time is money is that you give people more time if you don't give them more money to get to what you're saying, to get to that sort of infrastructure of, of nightlife bleeding over in the daytime wow. and all that, because you have to break people out of a routine. That's not easy to do. Well, I nine mean, to five has been around. I think, well, well, you give them. No, that's just the structure of our society. Sasha is the nine to five. That's, that's what functions as normal, unless you're in a big city. But the thing with the big cities is they, they have more populations. But so it is faltering on an individual level. Burnout is indicative of that. Corporations are not burned out. The, the business itself does not burn out. The people burn out. And then the corporations fall and the businesses fall apart. I mean, that's it. I, okay. People got burned out of walking into blockbusters and renting stuff. Well, no, it just became uh, more convenient to stream it or purchase it. And stream it. Don't, well, it goes Did back it, to the was it's all about convenience. You don't have not, time to go to the But it was always more convenient to walk in down the street, a trip that took you 15 minutes, then wait in the mail for three days for Netflix to send you something. Netflix put Blockbuster out of business when they were a mail-only company and they would mail you DVDs. That's not convenience. That's, it's more convenient to walk into a store. There was you didn't nothing, have the time. There was nothing I, about a Blockbuster on a Friday night that was convenient. It might have taken me 15 minutes to get to the store, but I'm going to be in there for 45 minutes trying to decide what fucking movie I'm going to rent, and it's going to take me another 10 minutes to check How out. How long do you spend wa going through Netflix deciding a movie you're going to watch today? You can do it sitting down now. Yeah. You don't even – I'm sorry. I'm going to pick you apart here. You, I've it. watched Netflix with you before. You sit there, and I'm just literally watching you go from bar to bar for 45 minutes. I'm like – Okay, I'm Can getting up. We're not going to watch a movie. <laughs> Can I be totally honest with you? Yeah, go That's because Netflix fucking sucks. Okay. I hate So Netflix. we're burned out of Netflix. So, <laughs> listen, so what comes next? Do we go back to Blockbuster or is something else? But, uh, it, why hasn't Redbox taken off? Because it's, it, you have well, it, to go it, to it a did, location. But it did, but it's it was short-lived. Yeah. The only thing that's about it that's good about it is that it's at a place where you're doing something else Anyways. Already. Yeah. So that's that's second. But I want to just go back to what Miguel said about the we're shifting to a nocturnal thing because I kind of agree with that. And I also think it's historically happened, uh, almost like you want to say, like, we're repeating in a way. Because look at our of ancient course. cultures. Everything is night based, the uh, praising the sky, the, the, the like, th just think about it. Like they had no lights. So everything was focused on nighttime. It was more active at night. You still what? had daytime. Listen, hang on. Let me get this point across. I'm not referring to I don't like, think they farmed at night. No, but you have things you can do at night. Yes. That 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 they didn't have skyscrapers, they didn't have city lights, but they had the the night sky. So there were still things to do at night, but they were out and about at night. Whereas we have sheltered homes, 
and stuff to do inside at night that puts us fucked to sleep, right? I would agree with you. Mm, yes. I would have to go back thousands of years, but I would agree with you in that sense because look at my ancestors, the Mayans and the, and the, the Aztecs. They were heavily obsessed with the stars. Are you suggesting that that we did not sleep at all 10,000 years ago? Because <laughs> that's a cool thought. No, but I'm saying, we were up 24 hours a day, and we had the energy no. to be up. Well, <laughs> listen, well, if you're going all the way back when we didn't have civilizations, then not, there's nothing to do at night except uh, survive, <laughs> right? You got to get the campfire going and, and uh, keep your eye open while you sleep. But the first sign of civilization, massive populations that we had, had to have had some kind of entertainment to do something they had to have something it was storytelling day it was sharing of nighttime. the day but at nighttime you don't have much that you can do when it's dark other than what be together back then or now any any uh, back then 2000 3000 4000 5000 years ago what do people do you could labor do they at night. do they go to do they go to their desk job they had fire james for eight hours? they had fire okay what you else? could labor at what night. What else do do they do? Do they sleep all night long and that's it? And then when they wake up and they they labor death. Where what are you going do? with this? What I'm going with this is I think there was a gap where when we started building homes and cities that we shifted away from being nocturnal back to being daytime, and then we started building lifestyles around that, and then. Modern day came about, the Industrial Revolution came about, electricity came in, and we had absolutely no reason to be out at night at that point because everything takes place during the day. In home with your shit lit up. At night, you have the light to illuminate your indoor house. There's nothing to do outside. Might as well go to bed. Uh, And your your power grid electricity thing comes in because, you know, if you keep the light on all night, you're just just I'm not the right person to talk about this. I've gone joyriding at three in the morning just to get out of the house (laughs) and get some fresh air and and smoked the entire way back. The caveman probably went for walks. Yeah. The intellectual caveman. I think what I'm getting at. (laughs) He looked up into the sky is I think we're starting to find fed up we're th- we're getting fed up with things that we have right now that we can do at night and it's going to shift away from sitting on the couch to what can we do that's different we might Playing be games about. later at night, we might but, be we well, might be it, well the youth would be you're not going to affect people my age but you're going to affect their kids yeah that's exactly what i'm saying i'm saying that the, yeah, Zoom, the exactly. younger millennials and the zoomers are feeling like us yeah we want to be more out and about at night we're more comfortable exploring our nocturnal nature in the past generation like morgan just said i'm not fucking going out at night oh no dude i'm a night owl it is so hard for me to not be a night owl yeah i can't hardly sleep this is a walmart this is a walmart 1 a.m shopper who gets yeah. all his grocery shopping at one he's that guy but yeah. you don't want to party at night though wait something why not i mean morgan's been bar- here to okay, okay, so then, it's, then it's not just the young people it's so just what people. sucks is that the bar is closed here too so i mean this is a fucking party. I, I see if it wasn't if it wasn't for I know Miguel's on a clock uh, tonight because he's got to wake up in the morning. I'd keep this going till four in the morning. Of course you would. But if I didn't have to work, but here's tomorrow, the buffer. Like that, nine, that's yeah. the buffer. There, there's the buffer. If you didn't have to work tomorrow at nine, so my my 
agenda is not to force you to be here until four if you got to work until nine. It's to say what can happen to where Morgan doesn't have to be at work tomorrow at nine. Well, he could lose his job. Place can go out of business. Or the entire idea of getting Morgan to work at nine can change. Right. I, I think the old, I think it is old and antiquated to have like eight to five, nine, yeah. to, nine to five type jobs. And I think that will slowly change. I think COVID's accelerating that. Mm, it's gonna, I don't know. COVID's closed everything down at night for some dumb why? reason. Why? That's the point. Know. That's the key. Why? Why is it that movie trading company closes at eight instead of 11 like they used to? And what is that doing psychologically Labor. to the consumer mind long term? Because it's been about six to eight months and people aren't raising a lot of questions about it. And maybe we can discuss this in depth as the COVID autumn rears its ugly head around here. But these stores are not opening back up their normal hours. Even uh, Walmart's not 24 hours yet. There's 10 p.m. now. We why? should literally why? ask ask them <laughs> and then report here. Maybe because, so. Because I'm, I'm thinking, are they worried about thousands of people at Walmart at two in the morning? Well, well, I mean, they, they can't were, clean. That's what I was gonna say. Are, are their hours cut because they have to clean more? Like I'm, I'm assuming maybe that's the large business, I think that's, but the mom think, and pop shops. There's I think no that's reason. what they. I think that's what they say. We're closing to clean, but what they're really closing for is they don't have to staff the store overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to save them their, money. So they're, they're penny pinching at this point because they're a lot of places are on the verge of yeah, collapse. I think they know when the, the crowds are going to subside. So, so that's when they're saying, no, oh, they've got done. data. We're shutting early because there's absolutely no reason for us to stick around here. For six or seven customers that happen to dwindle in through the door. It's the same thing that that uh, where I work is. You're seeing data-driven corporate America at this point that's saying we don't really uh, have yeah. a reason to open Walmart at two in the morning for anyone other than Morgan right. who wants to sure. come and get all his grocery shopping. Those whack jobs can stay at home and wait till morning. I think that's the ultimate reason, but you can argue that the ultimate reason has nothing to do with money and it does have to do with cleaning and it does have to do with uh, you know we want less exposure for our our employees, so we'll we'll show, we'll lower the hours that they have to yeah and we'll condense here. everyone having to go to walmart yeah. and I know spreading it within yeah, these yeah. 12 hour i know coffees. there's two huge entrances at my walmart and one of them one permanently of closed, closed. <laughs> they force everyone into one entrance for some dumb reason there are a lot of funky things going on with big corporate america that we're not privy to the closed door meetings of but i think we're all in sync with uh some of the conversations that may be occurring behind those doors and they all make sense they would all make sense I mean, to me i could be missing something on the forcing people into one door i guess it's so that you can keep an accurate count of who's in yeah data driven that's oh, it uh, you know what this, we have technology you can link two devices together who's doing that two different walmart. Uh, walmart i don't fuck with walmart ever so i don't know that there's one entrance now mm-hmm. yeah you yeah, are most uh, of them that have two yeah you told me that they had like a gate like at a well, they took yeah. those away. They yeah, took the, the, the winding taken... gates, the okay. single file you line they about, had to get in. I do remember that. You told they me about took that, that away, but the it's fun. still just one entrance set of entrance doors that lets you in and out of a Walmart. So, so you're basically keep... cross-mingling with the exiters and the people coming in. So, yeah, it has to logically. Yeah, and the red box stoppers. They're still there. Like <sighs> You still have to deal with the people cleaning the carts, picking their carts up. Walking out with loads of carts, red box. Well, it's certainly not for social distancing. So logically, no. I would assume it has to do with what Morgan said, which is counting people. It, it, has, it has to, to be. be. Yeah. At Target, no, there's two giant ass entrances. Uh, same same thing with um, Tom Thumb. You know. I'm telling you. Or in one in one door, out the other. 
Sprouts does that. When and yeah. if this Can't thing go into the exit. When and if this thing we didn't talk a lot of COVID tonight, and that's okay. Um next time. Um but when and if this thing is done with, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird to ask the places to go back to usual if it is unwarranted. There's not like, a there's not unwarranted. a new usual for yeah, a lot. Uh, meaning like my movie training company, twelve to eight. If they stay in business through this they used to be open from 10 to 12. It's going to be difficult to convince them Ooh. to go back to 10 to 12 when they have seen a condensment of business, which has been good for them, but it's been bad to the whole pandemic thing and the fact that their store is busier in that eight hours as far as well, density is concerned. I, I think, though, competition will drive the hours back. Maybe. Because uh, some somebody will be I mean, open. Sash and stuff, Mercari, 24-7. <laughs> sure, sure. Just, yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, it, it, sure. I, I think that's because I, I think that's what drove places to be 24 hours anyway was competition. And so when you start to loosen things up and things start to get back to normal, I think it'll push it. How back much competition is going to be gone at that point? Might be One a little out bit, of six small businesses it, are gone now. Yeah, I mean, it may not happen this time we'll next year, back. but it will happen. Hmm. I mean, I know there's a lot of businesses that failed, but there will be people that will want to invest and and redo a business or restart a business. They're just not going to go away and never come back. I think they said that two or three of the Alamo draft houses we have in the DFW are closed. Yeah. I doubt they're not going to come back. I mean, but if they come back to what level of invigoration will they see? I mean, recently the theaters opened back up and they. That's because people know that COVID is still around. If we feel complacent that COVID's gone, and there's a vaccine. No, I think they're going to come rushing back. So you think the vaccine adds that layer of safety? It, it absolutely psychologically. It absolutely yeah. does. That's the cliche yeah. I keep hearing. What if from it's everybody. unwarranted though? It's probably is going to be the first round. I don't trust the first round of, of the, the quote unquote vaccine. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, whenever we feel the general consensus is, oh my God, this actually works, people are going to come rushing back to businesses. Because, I mean, that's what that's the cliche I keep hearing everyone say at work, amongst my friends and family. Oh, not to the vaccine, not to the vaccine. They keep fucking saying that, you know. So that's when we should be most on guard then. To well, not that go, complacent? Yeah. Not go into public is when the – you're saying that even word of a vaccine being like imminent is going to drive business way up? I'm saying that when word gets out that there's a vaccine that works and people we, the second – as a society, the general consensus is we're mm-hmm. complacent with it. That's when the business is going to come rushing In back. In the information place. age, we're going to know that there's a vaccine that works and we're going to be satisfied no. with. I can't say I can't agree with that because we're in the information age and we did not know. What if that it's the polio virus all over again? Was though? even existing. We had no idea. Oh, shit. We had no That's idea. Awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're in the information age and it took us two months to realize that we sh- three months that our country is being affected. Uh, it was February, wait. Sasha, and we had we had I, I booked my wedding. Yeah, right. Right. That's because you weren't listening and meandering. Like, no, really, you weren't. True. You I literally was, were not listening to us this, because we have episodes on our radar. in January. It was on our radar. No, it wasn't on our radar. It was on our radar. It was on forums. It was on right. websites. People were writing articles about what was going on in China. Yeah. We were in the information age. We had the information. But there was some kind of a block where we didn't act on it. So denial. This is the problem. Right. So even if this vaccine comes about in the information, can 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 I insert my tidbit because it's quite important. You're speaking to an audience that has been around, hopefully, since episode one. So they've heard (laughs) episode seventeen, fifteen, fourteen, et cetera, et cetera. 
it was January, the first week of January that we started mentioning COVID on a serious level. Maybe, maybe we were not as impassioned about the discussions that we were having, but we were certainly discussing it as being imminent to cross over borders from China because that's just how viruses work. That's my point, is that we, had, we are in the information age. We had the information right away, but as a group, as a country, well, of it course took not, months James. longer for everybody to catch up. Well, of course so, not, because if you shut down America in February, 200,000 people have their lives saved, but three out of six businesses are gone. Well, now, now. There's, a, there's you, a delay. There's a lag from, from there was what no you precedent get either. There was no precedent, but the, every precedent in this case would have been any virus. So do you think now that we've but no this, virus uh, had done what COVID did ever in sure. anyone's lifetime? There's that disbelief there. So when this vaccine works or whatever, whatever the point was you were trying to make that I just countered right away. Huh? You were saying something about the vaccine. Can you go back to it? I, yeah. I cut you off. What was that? Okay. My point with the vaccine is that if if Miguel's suggestion is that um, the first wave will lull folks back into a sense of safety and a security net for the way of normalcy sort of making its creeping return, my argument would be that it's not an argument. It's, the, it's more of a like, uh, I hope not. I hope not. But if it does, then nobody's learned a damn thing from the last year. Well, we're already sort of there without there being a vaccine. Right. Uh-huh. But I'm not. I mean, yeah, we're there as a society, but I mean, that's setting up for disaster. The good news is, is, from what I also hear from people, is that they don't trust the first round of the vaccine, especially if it comes out when during Trump being in office, whether that's right or wrong, without condemning or condoning. I'm hearing that's what oh, I'm hearing dude. from people. Yeah, if this thing comes out by Halloween, holy shit. October, oh, October surprise, we got a vaccine, it's good. That's what's going to happen. Come. It's going to be a fucking, Maggie says it's going to be a placebo, and I'm terrified that she might be right. People will buy it hook, line, and sinker because they love cure-alls right but i think that most people are like us and they're conscious of the fact that they shouldn't be skeptical of the first round of the vaccine that comes out before the year is over what i'm saying is by 2021 when the mainstream media like uh, cbs abc uh nightly news on msnbc when they all start saying hey the vaccine trials have been a great success and they start pushing this narrative whether it's right or wrong mm-hmm. when the mainstream media starts pushing this narrative that the vaccine is safe and you can jump on it that's when business is going to rush back, whether it's right or wrong. I got you. You see, that's what I'm saying. Whether not, it's right or wrong. I'm not saying that it's that it's safe. I see. I'm saying that's what people are going to fucking do. I see. Moment mainstream media starts reporting it as being okay, <clears throat> that's when everyone's going to jump on it, feel complacent, and go back to business. Man, we're going to have wow. some interesting vaccine talks when that gets close to talk because there's going to be a lot of commentary and there's going to be a lot of loudmouths on both yeah. sides of the spectrum because of I mean, you look at the whole anti-vaxxer movement in the last 15 years. This is setting up for— last 15 months. Well, yeah, but before that, the whole uh, flu shot uh, back and forth and the whole political debate. and children's shots. Yeah, all of that has been brewing and brewing, and this is going to give both sides even more of a pedestal to raise their voice. Except this time around, it's going to be more important than ever for us to get it right, Um, like whether or not— it's like we should <laughs> like I don't know if I should round two, three, four, five, six or seven. I, I just don't know because I've seen stuff like the polio vaccine. I've seen just the flu vaccine in general. Why why do why are we up to two or three varying shots now on a yearly basis? Just fucking thing keeps me. OK, yeah. so 
obviously whatever we're doing is not it's not conquering the flu. No, but it, that's what a but but the term yeah. vaccine sure should do that. Well, vaccine versus cure is where people miss Right, but psychologically, that's the problem, is that if somebody listens to the current regime, we got a vaccine coming. Okay, so they think there's a cure to coronavirus down in the pipeline, which excuses all their future behavior when it shouldn't be excused. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a problem. That's a major problem. You're going to have corona. You know, we had these morons had these coronavirus parties where they're basically. You're going to have vaccine. I'm going to have vaccinated vaccinated party, baby. Let's go have an orgy. Yeah, it's all these fucking assholes on Facebook and TikTok are going to be having this kind of parties based on that. See, and my problem, the the issue, the dilemma that I'm going to have is that I'm going to need 10 to 12 months to see if those people fall flat dead in their house. Well, and there's the not going to be one company making vaccines. There's going to be three or four companies making vaccines. And they've all got, and they've all got uh, lawsuits yeah. out in their name for other shit. And they've had them for, I mean, Johnson Johnson kills babies. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a litany of, of research and studies on all of the people that are involved with the vaccine that ra- should raise eyebrows as to why we've entrusted these billion dollar corporations who are just out for money. They're not out for saving lives. They're out for getting their foot in the door into the vaccine realm, which is arguably the only way that they might stay afloat moving forward, much like a lot of the businesses right now are only staying afloat because they went into the mask business. The only way for a lot of these places to stay or hand sanitizer for that matter. um, The only way that the big corporations might stay in business or in pharmaceutical uh, business is getting their foot in the door with the recovery of all this. And that's dangerous to me because in, within this episode, two hours ago, I was calling these people the epitome of evil in my in my mind in the 21st century. So they, if they're involved in the the correction of what we've just seen from the natural world, I'm more disconcerted with their involvement. Whereas the president of the United States yesterday is talking about how much he trusts Johnson and Johnson and the fact that they're helming the vaccine and every American should be uh, assured that. All of that is in good hands. Really? Because Google any Johnson & Johnson uh, year of existence in the last 20 years, and there's a lawsuit from individuals who claim their products have harmed, if not killed, people that are in their household. But these are multi-billion dollar corporations, and the people bought the products. So who's to blame? Eh. Do you want it? Can I go ahead and just go on record as making it a, and it's a, a kind of a prediction what could happen? Yeah, please. Love. The, the October surprise is going to be a vaccine. The October surprise is going to be Trump in an election year. You mean? Yeah, I mean this year. I mean before October and before the November election comes, we're going to have Trump saying, "It's out. Here it is. You can take it. It's safe." But of course, most people would be like, "No, this is the same asshole who suggested implicitly <laughs> hydroxychloroquine that we <laughs> stick bleach in your stick yeah. or it's ingest, I mean. disinfected." I was being sarcastic. So yeah, that's going to be the October surprise. I think that there is going to be not a real vaccine. But there's going to be something that Trump pushes with all his talking, you know, heads on Fox News, on right wing media saying this is it. What you're suggesting is that Jim Jones is going to get everyone to drink the Kool-Aid in October. If it turns out that that thing's a placebo and people take it and end up getting the virus and die. Yes. Well, even a- psychologically, if it doesn't knock them over and kill them, psychologically, they've drunk the Kool-Aid. Yes. OK. Yeah, that's exactly what it, what it would be because you're his whole cult would be 
would take him for his word and be like, that's it. They were already trying to do it with hydroxy. How do you, I can't even say that. Hydroxychloroquine. I can't yeah. say, yeah. 300% increase, 244%. Don't, don't want to round up there. I want to be accurate. 244% increase in Google searches to buy hydroxychloroquine after he and Elon Musk came out and said it. So that's another news story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was one of the 244%. Where are you? <laughs> I just wanted to see where you could buy it and how much it was, though. I wasn't uh, looking at actually buying it. In case? No. no I was just curious. Cause right. I think we all were curious, yeah. Uh, well, and a little bit of capitalistic stuff. I'm like, maybe I can buy this shit cheap and turn around and sell it for some profit. Son of a <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so you more here up, here I am eBay. feeling bad about upcharging the old lady for driving Miss Daisy and Morgan's out trying to get pills. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. All right. So whatever. I'll, I'll edit this out for your. Oh, image. you can leave it in. I'll stand by it. Good. It needs to be a bad guy at this table. Every <laughs> oh, you guys are forcing me to defend Trump, so I don't even want to defend. No, you're right. You know, it is important to let our listeners, <laughs> our listeners, know that if Morgan didn't come here and defend Trump, or not Trump, but defend the mentality of the Trump follower, then it, this would be a runaway train every week and we would just berate the guy and the philosophies and the ideology, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't lead to any uh, sort it's of... It's more uh, stimulating. To, it's more trolly for me to there you go. Of course the other is. side. <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time naming this episode. And uh, yeah, we uh, this was a very interesting conversation. As always, I say, I cannot wait to look forward to listening back to this one. And hopefully everyone out there feels the same. But having having a variety of backgrounds, generations, age groups, uh, care about the future, um, just all of this mixing into one conversation has been very interesting for my algorithm. <laughs> There is going to be something called the Sasha algorithm. It's already there. One day. And What's it's there? going to terrify the fuck out of me whenever it does come into fruition. We'll talk about it off mic one of these days. <laughs> There'll just be drones that follow everyone watching everything they do. Well, then you already got that. So when did I really devise this algorithm? You've got the drones following Yeah, but, you'll, you you'll, the, but here's the thing, though. Um, and this is actually, I'm ripping this off from a science fiction story that I can't remember the name of. But... You'll, you'll put it in a way to where people will buy this thing, this drone that will essentially follow them around and record their whole life yeah. and automatically upload it to every social media thing you want. Yeah. And they, they just do it willingly. It's Black Mirror, I think. I can't remember. You just described well, like cell phones, though. <laughs> I'm talking about a drone. So in the sci-fi thing, it's like a, uh, it's like a, a bumblebee. That oh yeah, that's the first the, episode the flies of uh, yeah, was Black, Black Mirror season four. And, no, it's it's not Black Mirror. It's not. The no, because because Mirror it's an older one. lady with a younger man, and the older lady dies, and so the video that's captured in this bumblebee is is part of what's on her grave, and so he's going to the grave every day to relive all these memories, but slowly over time the video is degrading and degrading and degrading, and he thinks he's losing his memories. It's that's the gist of that thing. I, I'll find it. Black Mirror probably. Sounds like Total Recall, too. Probably took some ideas from, from that, would be mm. my guess. Damn. Damn. Now I got to look up what the hell that is. Because yeah, I got to find it. My wife packed that. Nosedive was the name of the storage. episode. Yeah. Nosedive. So I think, I think Nosedive ripped something else off. Oh, yeah. Black Mirror is just like uh, secondhand sci-fi from whether it's Outer Limits or Twilight Zone. It's just like, let's tweak this tiny little plot point. 
from a story that's been told and push it to the Netflix community. And it's good. They're successful. Yeah, it's well it's well put oh, together. Thanks, Netflix. That's why I don't like Netflix. I yeah. fucking hate the top really? ten in the US. Oh, the top ten is I was, so I, know, I, was, I, haven't, I haven't looked at it in months uh, or weeks. Like, I was surprised out, at like, some the, of it. it was, something that was on there, I was like, why is that in the top ten? it just came out. It's like there's something no, that came out No, it was something today, that wasn't even. It was in like number two. I'm like, well. It wasn't even something that I had just come agree. out. I can't like, even remember. I Can somebody agree. log into their Netflix and tell me what the top ten is? i tell you what's not in the top ten. Good. Shows? My, my octopus teacher. What the what? hell? Who the hell would want to watch that? That was a riveting documentary. We can talk about it on another episode. Yeah, can you see, Sasha, what's on before we get out of here? What's, I, what's I on can't on my phone because I've turned well, it I'm, I'm, off. So because you mentioned I'm very, very I know curious this, let's as to see. what is in the top ten. I try to predict it. Lucifer's always in the top ten. Uh, I don't think it was this time around. No? No, you're going to see the, the new movie with the chick from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. You're going to see the Sher- Sherlock Holmes. Holmes' yeah. second cousin. That's obviously going to be She's going to be on there. Uh, Alana, Ratchet. Alana Ratchet. Holmes. Whatever the fuck. Uh, there's going to be like two shows. The main... Ca- so here, here's the way Hollywood's going. The Netflix machine. The main characters that we've grown with and loved, like the the franchises that have been established. Yeah. It's now on to like their second cousin getting their own franchise. They're doing the Scrappy Doo thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so the there's a full length feature for Scrappy Doo. And Scrappy Doo opens up the realm to uh he's got his whole slew of new characters. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be like a Billy Loomis series. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that what indicative of what I've always said is that how creatively bankrupt Hollywood is. It's yeah. all rehashing shit, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but that's yeah. across the well, board. We, we can continue to consume it, so why should they think of anything? That's exactly what. That's across the board. Girl says, no. That's brick and mortar. It's the same thing. I've got the list. The creative. Uh, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's, what's let's, on Let's the close this bad boy with a top 10 of Shit's the sheep Creek? shows. I've never heard of Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek's okay. Is it? No, the Cobra hell. Kai? I heard that's legit. Okay. But that's so, been out for a while, Yeah, they right? bought that from YouTube. Well, it's like they bought the rights nine, from right? YouTube. It's fading the away. Blacklist, which is a old CBS James show. James Spader. Sneakerheads? Never even freaking heard of it. That they sounds like guys. a James Generation thing. No. Coco Melon? No clue. I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous? Oh, cartoon one. <laughs> they made a cartoon? Do they get eaten there in that go. cartoon Camp Crustaceous. Well? So it's like Cretaceous, the franchise. Not bad. Sorry, the franchise, which has already been perverted, because Jurassic World, <laughs> both of those were pieces of shit. I wasn't crazy. About now it. there is a tertiary piece of shit in the form of a cartoon <laughs> on Netflix, and Jurassic Park, the '93 Spielberg classic, is overlooked by the entire generation, and they'll have to stumble across it on a streaming platform to even know it existed. Don't yeah. exclude the Lego versions of all these fucking movies. Uh, I oh, well, those are good. <laughs> Here's the problem. Every time we've Lego said Batman is a piece of shit, one of us at the table said, "Yeah, it's all right." Lego <laughs> Batman might be one of the best Batman movies ever. Sorry, oh, I know y'all did a Batman movie. Did y'all mention Lego Batman? Did y'all mention Lego yeah, Batman? Ma- Maggie inserted it because she okay. loves it. She loves that dumb shit. Uh, the Good Place and Ratchet. The Good Place. I don't know what that is either. It's uh, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Not knowing whether she's in heaven, hell, or purgatory, and Ted Danson's like uh, the main uh, guy, main bad guy, good guy. It's inter- it's an interesting show, dude. If you watch The Good Place, you'll probably get hooked very quickly. It's it's an interesting conceptual show, and it's pretty funny. 
I have you seen Good Place? No, I have not gone down that path. I like Kristen Bell, so I might check it out. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's and funny. He's still alive. Holy shit, good for him. It's funny. I'll it's like it that movie Defending Your Life. It is. It is that well, what's TV the, show. What format. was the Amazon one that had? You, were you? No, not. Uh, oh, that's my secret shit. I didn't mention uh, it. Uh, that nope. show is so good. Uh, no, um, my. I can't tell you my secret show, but the uh, one you're talking about is Upload. Upload. Yeah. Yes, excellent. It's thirty minute uh, episodes. It's just. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you when your body dies, they upload your consciousness into a digital world, and the digital world that you're living in is essentially as good as you can pay for. <laughs> slash the matrix <laughs> Damn. With, with the price tag to it it's kind of fun it's with uh robbie amel who's uh the guy who plays arrow on the cw his little you brother. still have to pay for all the it, all the stuff that you're eating and yeah. drinking and stuff inside the app and this guy was married to a girl who he was dating was a, a girl yeah he was dating a girl who's really well off so um he she set to go to him up place. with a good package but He's catching on to there being a little more to like his positioning and why he died in the first place. Well, yeah. It's kind of interesting. It is. It's, it's interesting. Like, wait till you hear my secret show. I don't want to spill it on the show. Off air, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Secret show. Yeah. Probably already seen it. Probably sucks. M42 <laughs> in the books. Sasha's movie and TV recommendations blow for the older generation. Because they don't know what's good for them. They don't know what's good for them, but they'll fucking leech to the shared economy lifestyle in any way that makes sense for them to make a couple of extra bucks. But when it comes to the creative juices that we like to send their way, they're not into any of that shit. Just the money-making ideas. That's the older generation. That's how you get through the older generation. You give them a creative alternative to making money. That's new. Or an opportunity for predatory capitalism. Like yes. We saw tonight. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it takes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Morgan. You, you we bet. cracked that code. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Peace. And don't forget, this statement still holds true.